sacredheartradio.com. Wednesday, the 13th of December. That makes it the Feast of St. Lucy. Let's pray through her intercession today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us, Lord. We pray for those whose lives are darkened by suffering and fear. Let them see your saving power. We pray for those whose minds are darkened by habits of anger, violence, or greed. Let them see your saving power. We pray for those whose eyes are darkened by the glitter of all that is not gold during this season. Let them see your saving power. Lord God of power and might, you enlighten the world by the example of the life, suffering, and death of St. Lucy. Illumine our darkness with the light of faith, that we may look with eager hope toward your coming kingdom. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Lucy, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show, and Lucy means light. It is probably not light where you're listening right now, unless you're one of our international listeners, perhaps. But we are glad that you're with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. We will talk to Dr. John Bergsma. More thoughts on Love Basics for Catholics. That's a recent book of his we've been going through. We'll check in with Father Rob Jack. Uh, we have been in the Gospel of Mark and will be for this liturgical year. And Mark starts his gospel out a little bit differently than the other gospel writers, and Father Rob will tell us why. We'll get more verses that point uh, us towards the Advent reality with Gary Zimak, Dr. John Papino along at the end of the hour to discuss a course that he's giving for the Institute of Catholic Culture. So it should be a lot of fun if you're able to stick around. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Israel has started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the Gaza Strip used by Hamas. That, according to U.S. officials, briefed on the operation, although Israel has refused to comment. Israeli forces say Hamas used the tunnels to move around the battlefield and to store rockets and ammunition. Massive pumps were put together in recent weeks while Israel apparently weighed its options. The plan is controversial among some family members of Israeli hostages still being held by Hamas after the October 7th attack into Israel that killed more than a thousand people. They fear their loved ones might be in the tunnels and could be killed by the flooding. President Biden says Ukraine will only win its war against Russia with sustained support from the U.S. Mark Mayfield has more. While speaking alongside Ukrainian President Zelensky at the White House, Biden said Putin is banking on Congress to fail to deliver more aid. Biden said Ukraine's success is vital to global security and indicated he's willing to compromise with Republicans on U.S. border policy reforms. Republicans are demanding border policy changes in exchange for Ukraine funding. The president is urging Congress to strike a deal before Christmas. I'm Mark Mayfield. Nearly 200 countries at the U.N. Climate Summit are agreeing to move away from fossil fuels. The COP28 summit is underway in Dubai, and today the world's nations approved a global pact that calls for, quote, transitioning away from fossil fuels that contribute to global warming. 
Earlier this month, scientists declared that 2023 has been the hottest year in recorded history. Many nations have been calling for a complete phase-out of fossil fuels, but that proposal was rejected by major oil exporters. Instead, countries have agreed on a deal that would accelerate a global shift away from fossil fuels this decade. The Vatican's dicastery for the doctrine of the faith has responded to questions concerning cremation and the preservation of ashes. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has responded to two questions submitted by Cardinal Matteo Zuppi of Bologna concerning the preservation of the ashes of Christians who have been cremated after their death. The first question asked whether it is possible to prepare a defined and permanent sacred place for the commingled accumulation and preservation of the ashes of the baptized, indicating the basic details of each person so as not to lose the memory of their names, similar to what occurs in ossuaries, where the mineralized remains of the deceased are cumulatively deposited and preserved. The dicastery responded that this is possible, recalling that it is important to preserve the remains in such a way that the faithful departed are not forgotten, nor excluded from the prayers of the Christian community. The dicastery also emphasized the importance of showing respect for the bodily remains of Christians, while avoiding any unfitting or superstitious practices. Colonel Zuppi's second question concerned the possibility of families preserving a portion of the cremated remains in a place that is significant for the history of the deceased. The dicastery once again responded affirmatively, noting that the remains of the baptized have always been treated with particular care and devotion, especially regarding the relics of saints. For this reason, the dicastery said that while complying with relevant civil regulations, ecclesial authorities could consider allowing a family to preserve in an appropriate way a minimal part of the ashes of their relative in a place of significance for the history of the deceased person providing that every type of pantheistic, naturalistic, or nihilistic misunderstanding is ruled out and provided also that the ashes of the deceased are kept in a sacred place. I'm Christopher Wells. And hair samples from three former U.S. presidents are heading to deep space. The samples from John F. Kennedy, Dwight Eisenhower, and George Washington will be on board a rocket launched by Celestis early next year. The company specializes in sending remains and DNA to outer space, claiming off-world storage preserves the samples for thousands of years without degradation. Celestis says DNA of late presidents could help people in the future learn more about U.S. history. So here's the thing. I'm I appreciate learning about general historical figures, and uh, and that's all good and well. I think it's important as an American uh, to have like a mm-hmm. like a healthy reverence mm-hmm. for the people who helped put this country together. Mm-hmm. But I only really get excited if it's like the hair of a canonized saint. Mm-hmm. You know that Saint Therese and her relics have been to space. I know carried there at least once, actually maybe twice. I, I don't know. I get, I get excited yeah. about that. Jesus went into space too. The Eucharist. Well, he is the. That's that's true. And he's also the Lord of the universe. Wow. So. Kind of created it. Yeah. He is. He is the real. I know people talk about He Man, but Jesus is the real master of, <laughs> of the universe. It's true. Just uh, just putting it out there. Happy feast of Saint Lucy, Matt. Happy Feast of St. Lucy to you. I'm sorry you don't have any candles on your head, but... I don't. I don't, but you know what? I 
I said on, on, on Twitter yesterday, I said, listen, it's, you know, December 13th is the Feast of St. Lucy, so be sure to plan a light meal. So there you go. And that's all I have. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. That was enlightening. Matt's talking and Paul turned off his mic. I love that. I love that. This is where I love having the video stream. So, folks, that's why you want to watch. It's 8 past. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. John Berksma. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. So we are in the chapter in your book focusing on the wedding at Cana um, as we look at well, actually, this chapter is not focused on the wedding at Cana. It's focused on Jesus as the bridegroom, particularly in the Gospel of John. Today, we are going to be unpacking the wedding at Cana, which is in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I will read them now. On the third day, there was a marriage at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the marriage with his disciples. When the wine failed, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, O woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, six stone jars were standing there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the steward of the feast. So they took it. When the steward of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the men have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, Doc, Jesus performs this miracle as a guest at this wedding. I mean, he's just being a really good friend, making sure that this family isn't embarrassed for running out of wine too early, right? I mean, or is it more than that? Well, it's interesting. You know, there's always deeper meanings to the stories, especially in the Gospel of John, elsewhere as well. But I think the key to understanding this account, Anna, is to ask ourselves the question, whose job did Jesus do at this wedding? We know, I mean, there's hints of this in the text, and we know it from ancient Jewish culture, that it was the responsibility of the bridegroom to provide the wine. You know, this is his wedding responsibility, just like in our culture, you know, the father, the bride pays for the wedding, and the father, the groom for the rehearsal dinner, and so on. You divvy up the responsibilities. Right in your culture. So the bridegroom uh, was supposed to do this, and so Jesus actually did the job of the bridegroom here. And that is super significant considering the prophetic tradition about God as bridegroom of Israel and, and of the king also as a kind of proxy bridegroom for God, the son of David, as bridegroom of Israel. And Jesus, of course, is both. He's both God and the son of David. So he is showing himself to be a super bridegroom here. 
Doc, can you talk about this exchange between Jesus and his mother? It says, um, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, a woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And then she says, do whatever he tells you. What's that about? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, of course, it happened. Um, it's historical, but it also teaches us prayer. Look at the Blessed Mother. She does. She doesn't conjole or insist she just makes the need known right Mm -hmm. they have no wine this is a good way to pray just make our needs known to christ and then leave it in his hands so do whatever he tells you yeah best advice in the world right but then i i don't know why translators render this you know what have you to do with me it sounds like it sounds so you know disrespectful but if you look in the greek it's like it's uh it's more like why is this a concern to us okay Mm -hmm. i don't think that translation that we have in most Bibles can be justified. It's, it's again, why is this a concern to us? And, and what our Lord is, is saying there is, you know, we're guests here, etc. And, and furthermore, he says, my hour has not yet come, which is a very interesting response, Anna, because the implied request is, could you do something about the lack of wine? Could you produce wine? You know, and Jesus doesn't say, no, my mission was not to produce wine. I'm the Messiah. You know, I got to go die for the people. He doesn't say that. He says, my hour has not yet come, which implies that there is going to be an hour that's going to arrive where he's going to provide wine for a wedding, um, but not yet. And, of course, that's looking forward to the only other place in the Gospel of John where he provides liquid from his body. Wow. Wow. Okay. At the end of this passage, it says this, the first of his signs. All right. I get that. Jesus did it. Cana and Galilee. I get that. And then it says, and manifested his glory. I mean, I know he brought the party here, Dr. Bergsma, <laughs> but how does this manifest his glory? Yes. 180 gallons, the finest French import here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is pretty amazing. I'm sure that Jesus was getting invitations from every young couple in Galilee after performing this. Like, yeah. oh, remember that teacher from Nazareth? Make sure he gets an invite, Sarah. <laughs> you know? so, but it's, but the, the, you know, John is the gospel of science. And so this tremendous abundance of wine harks back to Isaiah 25, which promises a banquet of tremendous wine of the choicest finest wines on mount zion um in in the at the end of time and jesus is is signaling that that is approaching and this wine of this abundance harks us back to john chapter one where it says from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace Mm. some translations say from his abundance and the superabundance of wine here is a sign of the infinite num- amount of grace that's available in every Eucharist if we would just have faith to open our hearts to receive it. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. John Bergsma. You can find Love Basics for Catholics linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We're back with headlines right after this. It's a quarter past.
The Christmas Means Life campaign encourages you to add another person to your Christmas list, the baby Jesus, as represented by women and children in need by making a donation to your local pregnancy center. Another option is to support the JP2 Life Center, committed to saving lives with free pregnancy help services, holistic OBGYN care, and education programs. Find out more at jpiilifecenter.org. That's jpiilifecenter.org. Because Christmas means life. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Hi friends, Janet Williams here. Join me every Wednesday on Women of Grace Live as I welcome new age researcher and blogger for Women of Grace, Sue Brinkman. Sue and I will be talking about all the wacky things that could distract you from your faith. Psychics, yoga, Reiki, crystals, acupuncture, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and astral traveling are just a few of the stranger things we discuss. That's why we call it Wacky Wednesday. So join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. 17 pass. Here's Anna with headlines. Israel has started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the Gaza Strip used by Hamas. The Vatican's dicastery for the doctrine of the faith has responded to questions concerning cremation and the preservation of ashes. And bishops have just received instructions for the next phase of the Synod on Synodality. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell, uh, when Paul cut my mic, all I was going to say is that I should not have made weird and wacky jokes on a wacky Wednesday, <laughs> as Johnette would say, knowing that you've been feeling poorly. Yeah. And uh, I feel like there's been make... illness all around our yeah. situation. I know a lot of people who are getting like sick this time of year mm -hmm. just know that we are praying for you. That, I'd uh, appreciate the prayers this morning for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this, is, this is that time of year where everything seems to sort of like crash down around people. What is like Just the nice injured little... list, but you're still like playing? Uh, questionable, maybe? Questionable. Questionable. Is that? Yeah, I think that would be. I mean, I don't want to call you questionable because I feel like that means something different in, okay, that's I don't know, true. some kind of like media role than it does in like a physically able to perform role mm -hmm. you are physically able to perform i am here i mean you did just do a newscast it's true it's true but anyway i say that's cool. this time of year it's nuts anyway people are getting sick we're praying for you everybody may just be, practice patience with everyone it may be god's way of slowing you down at advent mm -hmm. i don't know part yeah, of it's a good idea would say permissive will <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I don't know. In um, other news, those watching the video stream right now will see that Matt and I match. Oh, yeah. We you got like wearing, a plaid like, scarf. We're wearing like the same pattern today. You'll also see that I'm still in like a hotel room. And on this piece of St. Lucie, I have two like weird hotel lamps. It is funny, you know, when you try and light something mm-hmm. in a hotel uh, and then you don't realize until you try and use a camera that like, oh, mm-hmm. they don't have they don't have like overhead lights in any hotel rooms. And you got to be all weird. There's like there's upside down lamps in front of like It's wild. So thank you, St. Lucie. For your life. On this, your feast day. Yeah. Patron, patroness of light. And of, uh, somebody told me yesterday, salespeople. And I'm not exactly sure why. Interesting. But anybody who works in sales, oh. I always thought that the patron saint yeah, of patron sales saint was of salesman. Francis de Sales. But apparently, Lucy's in the mix there. How interesting. I'm sure there's like a reason that's like really practical. In, mm-hmm. And makes perfect sense, but I have not been able to find it. Well, I usually think of her. Obviously, I know her as the eye. Yeah, of eyes. Yeah. As I, as the glare from these lights goes off of my glasses, she is the patron of both my glasses <laughs> and the light bouncing off of them. Saint Lucy, pray for pray us. for us. It's twenty-one past. Family, because we've continued to receive many online gifts and one large donation, we've now exceeded our $60,000 pledge drive goal. Thank you. Yeah, we can now pay the light bills. And you know, to lead others into the light of Christ can be as simple as wearing a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt, which we will send you for pledging to give just $10 a month throughout 2024. To pledge now, visit sacredheartradio.com. Again, thank you for your support and telling others about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second. But call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE, 844-55-BIBLE. Tim Maley here, General Manager at Shock Tile and Carpet. Shock is a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio and local food pantries. A portion of every retail sale will help feed those in need. Or drop items off at our newly remodeled showroom and we will deliver. Family owned and operated since 1928, Shock hopes this season is filled with many blessings to you and yours. Residential, commercial, new home construction, 513-922-3466 or shocktile.com. That's S-C-H-O-C-H tile.com. Radio, which is the same station that produces the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a priest of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. So we've been going through Mark, and we'll be going through Mark through the course of this liturgical year. And uh, there's a lot that Mark has in common with with other Gospels, but 
it's interesting to start with Mark in Advent because Mark doesn't have a nativity story. How does Mark actually start his gospel? Well, when we look at it, Mark starts his gospel in the desert. And we know there's four symbols for each of the uh, gospel writers. The gospel of Mark of course, has the symbol of the lion. And that comes from the beginning where it says the voice roaring in the wilderness. And it was there was a medieval belief that when lion cubs were born, they were born dead. And the father would stand over the lions as they were born, the baby lions, and roar. And he would bring them to life. Now, what's interesting is not only that, that medieval notion of how life happened, but what's real interesting is that Mark begins his gospel in the desert. And it's rather ironic, because when we look at the beginning of the Bible, where does God begin? In a garden. In a garden, exactly. Yeah. So how in the world has the human race gotten from the garden, where they worked with the Lord and walked with him through the cool of the day and had all their needs met, to the middle of a daggone desert? Okay, and it, it sets up the stage for us to understand that during the time from the creation to now the, the new coming recreation in Christ, we have not done a really good job of keeping the world up. And it also shows a reminder of where Israel began after they were freed from Egypt, back in the desert. And of course, in the book of the prophet Isaiah, I'm sorry, Hosea, get those two right, Hosea. What we see there is that God says, I will bring Israel into the wilderness and woo her back, reminder of what is going on. And so we see really two things, I think, going on with the beginning of Mark's gospel. First is reminding Israel of their time in the wilderness when they relied only on the Lord. And secondly, a sense of repentance says, look, we started in the garden. Now we're in a wasteland, kind of like our equivalent of the Wild West. How do we get out of this? Well, it is fascinating that part of the way they get out of this involves John the Baptist coming out of the desert and going straight to the same river that the Israelites crossed in order to get to the promised land. And that right. water has such a big part of, of this story to get from the desert to back to the garden. And, and it is interesting. We see what happens here is that, of course, when they saw John, who did they think he was? Elijah one of the first of the prophets to call Israel back to the Lord. And so what we see in, in many ways is Mark is actually talking about a new type of beginning, whereas in Matthew it's a new genealogy, and in, in Luke it's back in the temple, but here it's back in the desert. So then what does that mean for you and me and everybody listening as to how we should be thinking about our own travels, as it were, during this Advent season especially? Well, what we see is that oftentimes we look at the world and we see that life has, has many challenges, and in many ways we're the cause of our own misery, because of our own sins, because of choosing to reject the Lord and not follow the Lord. John has come to remind us, you know what, I pro what God promised you in the beginning? That promise is still there. The Messiah will still come. But for that to happen, if you want to get back into the garden, you're going to have to spend time in the wilderness. And, of course, what does Isaiah say about that? He says, when the Messiah comes, the step in the, in the garden will bloom and new life will prevail. And so John is basically starting us where we're at. We're in a desert. 
uh, a wild life, uh, oftentimes a very basic life, a life that's full of fears, a life that's full of dangers. And John has come to say this is not how we were created to be. Well, you know, Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke, we get them on a three-year cycle, and it's fascinating because, uh, you know, to the average listener, they might not notice a big difference in tone because some so many of the stories that we hear are the same stories. That's right. But I wonder when it comes around for you to preach the gospel of Mark, you know, what do you hear in his voice that maybe kind of affects the way you preach when Mark, when it's Mark's year? Well, there's a there's an adverb they use in the Greek. Now, of course, everyone knows there's an adverb in the Greek, and it, the word is euthus. Euthus means immediately. And so, what's happening is that Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark has set up the path that God wants to bring us back, and He's not going to take His own sweet time. He's taken His own sweet time getting to Jesus because. We had to learn, and we had to learn how to obey and understand who God is. But now that Jesus comes, you'll find one of the most used words is that Jesus, this happens immediately. The people do this immediately. Jesus casts out evil immediately. And so what we see is that in Mark's gospel, it's, a short, it's the shortest of the four. It, it tells time's a waste, and folks, we have to act now. Which is why I think it's such a great gospel to hear from in Advent, because Advent, I mean, it just connects us with that whole, like, prepare the way, like, don't prepare it later, like, prepare it now, watch and wait, and coming off the Feast of Christ the King and all those kind of, you know, be ready readings that we heard at the end of the last liturgical season, it's a really interesting way to begin a new liturgical season. Father Rob Jack, thank you as always, and have a wonderful day. Thank you too, Matt. You can find Father Rob Jack and his work with Driving Home the Faith linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's also where you can find really all the people we talk to. You can even put in your email and subscribe so you can get show notes delivered to your inbox daily along with some of the prayers that we use to kick off the hour. And uh, who knows, maybe a Rita Heikenfeld recipe or two along the way. Check it all out. It's all online at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. Israel has started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the Gaza Strip used by Hamas. That, according to U.S. officials, briefed on the operation, although Israel has refused to comment. Israeli forces say Hamas used the tunnels to move around the battlefield and to store rockets and ammunition. Massive pumps were put together in recent weeks while Israel apparently weighed its options. The plan is controversial among some family members of Israeli hostages still being held by Hamas after the October 7th attack into Israel that killed more than a thousand people. They fear their loved ones might be in those tunnels and could be killed by the flooding. Pope Francis, during his general audience today, said he continues to follow this conflict and urged both sides to resume negotiations. He asked that all hostages be released and he called on everyone to make an urgent commitment to get humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza. Meanwhile, the United Nations General Assembly is demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. 
Brian Shook reports. On Tuesday, the General Assembly got a two-thirds majority and passed the resolution demanding a ceasefire. Two amendments to the ceasefire proposed by the U.S. and Austria both failed. The U.S. says it supports a pause in fighting, but not a ceasefire that would allow Hamas to plan another attack. I'm Brian Shook. Nearly 200 countries at the U.N. Climate Summit are agreeing to move away from fossil fuels. The COP28 summit is underway in Dubai, and yesterday, or today rather, the world's nations approved a global pact that calls for transitioning away from fossil fuels that contribute to global warming. Many nations have been calling for a complete phase out of fossil fuels, but that proposal was rejected by major oil exporters. Instead, countries have agreed on a deal that would accelerate a global shift away from fossil fuels this decade. Harvard's board is voting to keep Claudine Gay as the school's president. She has faced calls for her resignation and firing after her appearance before a congressional committee to discuss anti-Semitism on campus. She and other Ivy League school leaders faced criticism for their answers to questions about whether calls for the genocide of Jews violate school rules. In a message to the Harvard community, the board said their deliberations affirmed their confidence that Gay is the right leader for Harvard. Bishops around the world have received information explaining the next stages around the Synod on Synodality. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. After the closing of the first part of the Synod in October, churches are now called to promote further consultation and to prepare contributions for the second and final session in October 2024. To this end, bishops across the world have just received a document with instructions from the Secretariat of the Synod. The synodal process will continue along some lines of work, keeping in mind Pope Francis' remarks that the synod is about synodality and not about this or that theme. Regarding the specific themes that have emerged so far, the text explains that some will need to be considered with the Vatican dicasteries. These matters include, for example, the updating of the codes of canon law and the deepening of theological and pastoral research on women's admission to the diaconate. A report on the progress of this work will be presented to the Assembly in October 2024. Discussions will revolve around the central question of how to be a synodal church in mission with the aim to identify the paths to follow to enhance the unique contribution of each baptized person and of each church to the mission of proclaiming the gospel to today's world. The key word in this will be that of co-responsibility. This guiding question will be addressed on two levels, local and central. With this in mind, the document invites each church to carry out a further consultation, also involving theologians, canonists and local academic institutions. The summaries of the contributions will serve as a basis for the Instrumentum Laboris, the working document of the 2024 Synod. I am Lisa Zingarini. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. If you would like to write to Sacred Heart Radio, our address is Sacred Heart Radio, 100 East 8th Street, Cincinnati, Ohio. 
513-731-4502. Our phone number is 513-731-7740. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at TheAbrasiveOne.com. That's the number one, TheAbrasiveOne.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of St. Lucy, Wednesday, December the 13th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller, Knockelman, Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be a little chillier today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be partly cloudy, then sunny skies today with a high of 42 degrees. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 25 Sunny tomorrow with a high of 46 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, some clouds this morning giving way to mostly sunny skies this afternoon and a high near 43 degrees. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 23. Sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 47. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. It is Wednesday, the 13th of December, the Feast of St. Lucie, whose name means light. Hopefully the sun will be up in your area before too long. Always comes up one way or another, even if it's behind a cloud. Gary Zimak now joining us from followingthetruth.com. Gary, good morning. Good morning, Matt. We are heading towards the third Sunday of Advent, which is hard for me to believe. I feel like I blinked, and here we are. Uh, but there's a word that we associate with the third Sunday of Advent. We are lighting the pink candle, and that word is connected with the verse that you wanted to talk about today. Exactly, and that word is rejoice. And I'm going to go to one of my favorite verses. This is from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And Paul writes this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Matt, one of my favorite verses, you and I have talked about this before, but I think this is so important for us to remember. Why should I rejoice if everything's falling apart around me? If my life's a mess, if I'm not feeling, if I wake up in a bad mood, if I'm just not feeling it today, why should I rejoice? Well, Paul goes on to give us that answer and this is really what we're celebrating, what we're working toward during the Advent season. We should rejoice because the Lord is near. No matter what else is happening, the Lord is near to me right now. And as I continue to prepare for him during Advent, as I continue to try to get rid of the junk to welcome him more deeply into my life, I can anticipate that on Christmas Day, I mean, that's the goal we set for ourselves, if I'm doing the work, and I'm asking him to come more deeply into my life to do to work through me. If that if I'm doing that, I can be sure that on Christmas Day, 
I'm going to be closer to him than I am right now. So for that reason, I absolutely can rejoice because he's not going anywhere. No matter what happens around me, the Lord is near. Yeah, and I think uh, if my count is right, and depending on how your responsorial psalm is broken up, I think we hear that word seven times in the readings for Mass on Sunday. <laughs> Rejoice. Well, yeah. uh, it pops up a lot. Now, it pops up in every single one of the responses, but it is a theme, right? It's a theme. It's this kind of light of hope in the middle of this season of, of waiting, a right, kind of a reminder right. that we're almost to the finish line. And some people might say, well, you know, Paul, you are, you know, Whatever it's it's nice of you, you know, in your situation to tell everybody else to rejoice. But my life is hard, uh, <laughs> except that Paul is writing Philippians from prison. <laughs> he is yeah. like writing from literally a jail cell where he has been thrown for preaching the gospel. So if Paul can say it, I can probably say it. Right, and that's what I love about the fact that he is writing it from prison. And if he can say rejoice. Obviously, he knows something that maybe I don't if I'm complaining because it's cold outside or something, or, you know, things aren't going my way. Obviously, Paul has a better handle on this than I do. And the key is, and I think, Matt, as as we continue, I don't know how many years you and I have been talking about these Bible verses to help aid us in overcoming anxiety. The secret is to focus on the constant presence of the Lord in my life, no matter what happens he is here. He wants to help me. And my job is to, to let him and also to rejoice, to choose to rejoice no matter how I feel. It's not a feeling. It's a choice to choose to, re- to rejoice in the constant presence and assistance of the Lord God in my life. Well, Paul doesn't just say this out of the blue with no connection to any other thoughts. Uh, this is actually, if you're going to memorize one chunk of the Bible, Philippians 4, and especially verses 4 through 8, is such a great chunk to memorize. Because the way that Paul sums up the whole thought uh, that comes after this really, I think, points to how we can rejoice. Uh, he talks about uh, you know, how we should be re- rejoice, but also be gentle, to not be anxious, to be thankful. Uh, but then he goes on in verse 8 to say a verse that we talk about here on the radio all the time too. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely or admirable, excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I think that a lot of times when I find it hard to rejoice, it's not necessarily because of the circumstances in my life, but because of what what I've chosen to think about in the course of those circumstances, uh, and that I'm not thinking on the good, the true, and the beautiful. I'm thinking about doom scrolling on social media or yeah. all the horrible things or, you know, something that I heard on the news that says that something is in my oatmeal might be killing me, right? Like, it's because I've chosen to think about the opposite of all those things, I've impaired my ability to rejoice, Exactly. And the more we the more we let our thoughts run wild about the negative, the, the negative things that may or may not happen, you know, this problem, if it doesn't go away, what's going to happen two weeks from now? Oh, my gosh, it'll be a disaster or turn on the TV or look on the Internet. Horrible things happening. Everybody hates everybody else. It's terrible. It's doom and gloom. The more I dwell on that and the less I dwell on God's love for me and his power and, and you know, and, and things that are good, the more anxious I'm going to be, be. I'm going to make myself. If I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is start scrolling, as you said, through your, your feed on on Facebook or tw- on, on Twitter, 
or on social media or, or turn on the TV or, or you know, and, and to, to just focus on the negative things that are going on in the world, then I'm going to be miserable. But if I start the day in prayer or by opening my Bible, even if just for a few minutes, it's going to really set the tone in a different way. I can't control anything around me. I mean, I can control very little in my life, but things around me, I have no control over my circumstances oftentimes. But what I can control is my thoughts. It's not always easy, and that's the thing. It's hard sometimes, and it's work. But I found that the more I do it, the more I open up the Gospels and start reading about the miracles of Jesus and start really entering into the various scenes, it's very difficult for me to become anxious because I'm so focused on the love and the power of God sending his son into the world and doing all the great things he has done, his constant presence in my life. It's very hard for me to worry or become anxious when I become immersed in Scripture. So, I mean, it's just a, it's a matter of working to try to redirect our thoughts and focusing on the truth. The truth is that God loves me. He's bigger than my problems, and for that reason, I can rejoice. And it is interesting, too, uh, you know, it's the stuff that we fill our heads with uh, subconsciously comes out at other times. And, and oh, yeah. we know that from the bad things that put in our, we put on our head, from the good things we put on our head, from the just dumb and meaningless things that we put, put in our heads. Like, I could sing you every chewing gum jingle from the <laughs> 1980s, like – and, and I haven't heard them in two decades, but you name yeah. a gum brand from the 80s and I could sing you the jingle. Why is it in my head? Because somehow or other, I decided that I was going to let it be something that got absorbed into me. So yeah. I think a big question is, what am I putting myself in the stream of? What am I putting myself in proximity to? How am I immersing myself in a world of thought? And what effect is that having on me? And how is that affecting negatively or positively my ability to rejoice? Like that's something that, that I could certainly do a better job on. Yeah, and me too. What a great Advent exercise, though, Matt, to really focus on spending just a couple minutes each day reading the gospel from Daily Mass or something. Or, you know, if, you're, if somebody's not doing that, the great exercise or reading some sort of a spiritual guide or just something uh, to, or even just spending time in prayer. You know, I mean, certainly we want to do that too, but just keeping the social media limited, keeping the TV to, a, to, a, you know, to its limits, and just focusing a little bit extra on, on the Lord during Advent. And then that's going to stay in your head, and that goes through you with you throughout the rest of the day. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Gary Zimak. We've got followingthetruth.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Very grateful for you, and uh, I rejoice that you and I get to talk every week. It's a pretty fun time. Uh, me as me as well, Matt. Thank you so much. God bless you, my friend. All right, you too. We're back with Dr. John Papino right after this. He's got a new course, uh, course rather, for the Institute of Catholic Culture. It's 14 till. The Christmas Means Life campaign encourages you to add another person to your Christmas list, the baby Jesus, as represented by women and children in need by making a donation to your local pregnancy center. Another option is to support the JP2 Life Center, committed to saving lives with free pregnancy help services, holistic OBGYN care, and education programs. Find out more at jpiilifecenter.org. That's jpiilifecenter.org. Because Christmas means life. 
For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. What have you always wanted to know about the Vatican? Well, I'm your Vatican Insider, and I answer that question when I bring you the news about the Pope, Vatican City, and I share insights and stories from a broad spectrum of church ministries. Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Saturday night, 9 Eastern, on EWTN Radio. This is Dr. David Anders. Does the problem of evil keep you from believing in God? Join us for Called to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. John Pepino. He is returning to teach a new course, the next course at the Institute of Catholic Culture, this one on Patristics 101. Dr. Pepino, welcome back to the show. Well, hello there, Annie. How are you doing? I am doing fine and very excited to get to talk to you about this. Very excited for this course, um, which I will be participating in as a uh, sort of the ICC guide, um, along with you who will actually be teaching us. Um, my first question to you is just to make sure that everybody is on the same page here, Dr. P Dr. Papino. What do we mean when we say patristics? What is that? Yes. Now, patristics is the study of the fathers of the church and those would be the orthodox writers who wrote in the first seven centuries of the history of Christianity. So names like uh, St. Ignatius, St. Irenaeus, St. Clement of Alexandria, St. Cyprian, uh, for the first half of that period. And for the second half of that period, the great names like St. Ambrose, St. Augustine, and uh, today's uh, patron saint, St. Uh, saint Damasus, among many others. So those would be the fathers of the church. And in patristics, we read and study their works. Okay, so in 101, which will be the first semester at the ICC, and by the way, registration is open for this. Go to instituteofcatholicculture.org, and uh, you can find the little card on the website to click on to uh, <laughs> register for this course. You can audit it, or you can uh, take it as a certificate track and uh so 101 will be the first half of the year dr Papino. what will we be focusing on in this okay. 101 course so we'll begin with uh, sort of studying what patristics is just a bit of theory at the beginning and then we'll begin with saint clement of rome 
who was a disciple of St. Peter and Paul. He was the, the, a pope, and he wrote a letter to the Corinthians, it, and it, it reads a bit like an epistle of St. Peter or St. Paul. Hmm. And he's uh, among the first of the apostolic fathers, the disciples of the apostles who sort of carry the torch they got from the apostles. Then we'll read the famous St. Ignatius of Antioch, who was um, the bishop of Antioch, a couple of bishops after St. Peter was bishop over there. He wrote seven epistles. We'll read all of them. Yes. Then the Didache, this, this fascinating teaching of the early church. Then we'll go into the apologists, who are the Christians who wrote to the pagans to defend and explain Christianity. So people like St. Athenagoras, uh, the letter to Diognetus, St. Justin Martyr, St. Theophilus of Antioch, who's the first Christian to use the word Trinity in 180. Ooh. A.D. Then the great Saint Irenaeus, who writes against the heresies and defends apostolic uh, succession. Saint Clement of Alexandria. Then we'll read Origen, the great biblical exegete of the mid-third century. Tertullian, at about the same time, who is the founder of Latin theological expression. Then the great bishop of Carthage, Saint Cyprian, who dies in 254. And we'll round out the course by reading, it'll be kind of a, a review of the entire course, by reading extracts from Eusebius of Caesarea's oh, uh, yeah. church history. He's the first church historian, and uh, that'll bring us to the Council of Nicaea, the first council of the church. All of this happens before Nicaea? Yes, ah. <laughs> and that's just the tip of the iceberg, but we can't do everything. I hope it's an introduction for people to read further and ponder further on their own as well. This is just an introduction after all. Well, I guess the the devil's advocate question here, Dr. Pepino, is why in the world does it matter for us to know what these men believed prior to the Council of Nicaea? I mean, this is so old. Why do we care about what these old guys had to say? <laughs> That's a very interesting question. Well, on the one hand, okay, th there are many reasons to do it. An immediate uh, reason is to see how people who lived that long ago, as you say, shared with us the same love of God and of Christ and the same sacraments, the same beliefs, the same church. So although they're so long ago, we are among friends when we read them. Sure. And also because outside of Scripture... Uh, revelation is handed on to us by tradition, and a big component of tradition is precisely what the fathers of the church taught, because they act as witnesses to the faith or as authoritative teachers of the faith. And so we can see that even before the councils, Christians were not at a loss as to what to believe, and that the faith of all the 21 councils of the church from Nicaea all the way to Vatican II, that the faith of those councils, indeed the faith of the Church, is also the faith of these early Christian writers in, a, in an unbroken continuity from these disciples of the Apostles and through the entire, as we call it, patristic age, so bringing us to the 7th century and then to today. It's really incredible. I mean, we recite the creed at Mass every Sunday, and, and these are the men that laid the foundation for that prayer that we continue to recite that, in this day and age. That's exactly right. In fact, um, 
Although, of course, the, 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 the bishops gathered at Nicaea did hammer out uh, that, that creed. There were creeds in existence before that, that uh, wow. people would recite the night they were baptized on the vigil of Easter as a profession of faith. And, you, and we'll see some of these, by the way, in this course, different early versions of the creed of the church. Um, some are longer and some are shorter than the Creed of Nicaea, but they all have the same faith in them. Well, I am so looking forward to this course and hope that you are as well. Listener, go to instituteofcatholicculture.org and you can find uh, the link there to sign up for Patristics 101 with Dr. John Papino. And Matt, I mean, how many... How many stories do you think you have over at uh, chnetwork.org where reading the Church Fathers played into the decision to join the Catholic Church? Matt? What's that? You didn't hear my question, did you? Oh, my gosh. See, this is what happens is I... You got up to get a sausage biscuit I, again, didn't you? Well, no, I got up to refill my coffee this time. Oh. See? I was going... I was asking, how many stories would you say, do you think, include reading the Church Fathers as part of a convert's trek to the Catholic Church over at CH Network? I would say most of the Protestant ones. Wow. Most. Wow. Other religions, they're not as interested. Once they find out, you know, the church is the church, they don't need to go back all the way to prove it. But people who have only had the Bible their whole life, those people discover the church fathers and their minds are blown. Somewhat blown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got lots of them. That's awesome. We got lots of them. That's awesome. We got lots to talk about in the next hour here on the Sunrise Morning Show on most of these EWTN affiliates. We're back right after this. It's three minutes till. Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Deacon Tracy Jameson will describe the prayers of St. John of the Cross. Joseph Pierce will discuss his new history, the good, the bad, and the beautiful. I will reflect on the great feast of St. Lucy, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. In the past decade, more people have chosen natural or green options when planning a funeral, and the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help. 
Natural or green burials are actually quite traditional. It's how people were laid to rest for most of human history. Find out more about natural or green options for burial or cremation at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, where they also offer zero financing for pre-planning. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or at cccsohio.org. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. All deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. On a mission to love.com. That's on a mission to love.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hardworking professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience and fit up in welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. I'm Father Ethan Moore from Catholic Bearcat, the University of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. continue on this Wednesday, the 13th of December. It is the Feast of St. Lucy by praying through her intercession in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, may the glorious intercession of the Virgin and Martyr St. Lucy give us a new heart, we pray, so that we may celebrate her heavenly birthday in this present age and so behold things eternal. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Lucy, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on this Wednesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. And up this hour, we're going to talk to Father Philip Michael Tangora. There's been a lot of discussion about uh, the feminine character of the church, the involvement of women in the church. And Father Philip Michael Tangora, our canon law correspondent, will get into that a little bit this morning. Also this hour, Father Augustine Weta has another old monk story to share with us. Dr. John Cutterback will talk about uh, some projects that he's been working on, and then Katie Bogner on at the end of the hour as well. So please do stay with us if you are able. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Israel has begun pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the Gaza Strip used by Hamas. That according to U.S. officials who were briefed on the operation, Israel has refused to comment. Israeli forces say Hamas used the tunnels to move around the battlefield and to store rockets and ammunition. Massive pumps were put together in recent weeks while Israel apparently weighed its options. 
The plan is controversial among some family members of Israelis still being held hostage by Hamas. They fear their loved ones might be in the tunnels currently and could be killed by the flooding. Pope Francis, during his general audience today, said he continues to follow the conflict and urged both sides to resume negotiations. He asked that all hostages be released, and he called on everyone to make an urgent commitment to get humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza. President Biden has said Ukraine will only win its war against Russia with sustained support from the United States. Mark Mayfield reports. While speaking alongside Ukrainian President Zelensky at the White House, Biden said Putin is banking on Congress to fail to deliver more aid. Biden said Ukraine's success is vital to global security and indicated he's willing to compromise with Republicans on U.S. border policy reforms. Republicans are demanding border policy changes in exchange for Ukraine funding. The president is urging Congress to strike a deal before Christmas. I'm Mark Mayfield. Nearly 200 countries at the U.N. Climate Summit are agreeing to move away from fossil fuels. The COP28 summit underway in Dubai has the world's nations approving a global pact that calls for transitioning away from fossil fuels that contribute to global warming. Many nations have been calling for a complete phase out of fossil fuels, but the proposal was rejected by major oil exporters. Instead, countries have agreed on a deal that would accelerate a global shift away from fossil fuels this decade. The Department of Veterans Affairs says nearly half the vets they've screened may have been exposed to toxic substances. Brian Shook reports. A new report shows of the 5 million veterans screened, over 2 million reported at least one possible exposure to a toxic substance during their time in the military. The most common reports were exposures to burn pits and Agent Orange, both of which can cause a variety of cancers. The screenings were launched as part of the PACT Act, a law expanding benefits for veterans who've been exposed to toxic substances. I'm Brian Shook. The Vatican's dicastery for the doctrine of the faith has responded to questions concerning cremation and the preservation of ashes. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells has more. The dicastery for the doctrine of the faith has responded to two questions submitted by Cardinal Matteo Zuppi of Bologna concerning the preservation of the ashes of Christians who have been cremated after their death. The first question asked whether it is possible to prepare a defined and permanent sacred place for the commingled accumulation and preservation of the ashes of the baptized, indicating the basic details of each person so as not to lose the memory of their names, similar to what occurs in ossuaries where the mineralized remains of the deceased are cumulatively deposited and preserved. The dicastery responded that this is possible, recalling that it is important to preserve the remains in such a way that the faithful departed are not forgotten nor excluded from the prayers of the Christian community. The dicastery also emphasized the importance of showing respect for the bodily remains of Christians while avoiding any unfitting or superstitious practices. Colonel Zuppi's second question concerned the possibility of families preserving a portion of the cremated remains in a 
place that is significant for the history of the deceased. The dicastery once again responded affirmatively, noting that the remains of the baptized have always been treated with particular care and devotion, especially regarding the relics of saints. For this reason, the dicastery said that while complying with relevant civil regulations, ecclesial authorities could consider allowing a family to preserve in an appropriate way a minimal part of the ashes of their relative in a place of significance for the history of the deceased person, providing that every type of pantheistic, naturalistic, or nihilistic misunderstanding is ruled out and provided also that the ashes of the deceased are kept in a sacred place. I'm Christopher Wells. And the NFL wraps up its special meeting from Irving, Texas today. Owners and front office officials gathered Tuesday to network and discuss several changes to regular season international play. Owners are expected to vote on a proposal which would require all 32 teams to play at least one home game outside of the U.S. every four years. The league will also consider games in Madrid, Spain and Sao Paulo, Brazil next season. In addition, Albert Breer with the MMQB reports that quote-unquote health and safety changes are on the agenda today, including three specific plays to be reviewed, hip drop tackles, split flow blocks, and the infamous tush push. Oh, they're going to, the rugby move? I don't know. You know, I feel like the folks in Holy Spirit Radio Country are going to be annoyed that you didn't call that the brotherly shove. The brotherly shove. Out there in Philadelphia. I like that better. I didn't. The brotherly shove. I didn't know that there were nicknames for these things. So Yeah, it's like it's a, basically a rugby scrum that moves forward. Right. It's right. worked very well for the Eagles. Huh. The brotherly but shove. I like the it. The brotherly shove. I like From that. the city, city of brotherly love. Indeed. And there you have it. Cool. Well, it is eight minutes past the hour. Happy Feast of St. Lucy to all the Lucys listening this morning. I know that there are uh, a bunch of kids. I know a bunch of kids under the age of 10 named Lucy. It's a great name. It means light. We're joined now by Father Philip Michael Tangora, our canon law correspondent, who is a pastor. He's also author of a book called Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So I want to talk uh, about some of the things that Pope Francis has said and the church has been talking about uh, through the Synod on Synodality and a bunch of other places about um, the church and women. And I saw some some reactions that I would love to get you to respond to out of the gates uh, when, uh, you know, the Holy Father and some others have talked about, you know, really understanding the feminine qualities of the church. I saw some people with kind of like knee-jerk reactions saying, why do we need this woke conversation and you know, regards to church politics. But I feel like it's important to assert that the idea of the church as female and feminine doesn't come from 21st century politics. It actually comes from St. Paul, (laughs) right? That the church is female in her character. And we see this all over the catechism, don't we? Well, yeah. I mean, we, we see very clearly that the church is always referred to as Holy Mother Church. It's always referred with the feminine uh, pronouns of she or her. Uh, this is how we identify the church as a loving mother. And so in this regard, uh, that feminine is very much seen. We see Mary as the Blessed Virgin Mary as a model, as the archetype of the church in many ways. And so we see uh, that the church does have this very important Marian dimension. And uh, Mary is the mother of the church. Uh, so we can see 
how uh, that feminine is certainly going to uh, be there and that the feminine genius of how it manifests love, the charism of love, uh, in the feminine manner is very much close to uh, how we express uh, the reality of the Church, because the, the Church loves as a mother. The Church nurtures as a mother. The Church uh, brings about uh, our guidance to, the, to Jesus Christ the way the Mother of God does. Yeah, and the way that only mothers can, right? There are certain things that mothers can do that fathers cannot do, right? <laughs> no matter how much exactly, we try— the church brings forth life, it generates new life, it gestates yeah. new life, life of faith through baptism. Uh, and in this way, uh, the church is truly uh, feminine in that way. Yeah. So the church is very intent on making sure that whatever else is going on in the world, we preserve the meaning of motherhood and we preserve the meaning of fatherhood. So with both of those things in mind, when we talk about uh, ways to understand the role of women in the church. How does that determination to hold those definitions of motherhood and fatherhood closely help us understand uh, what are some good and, and bad ways to think about the stuff going forward? Yes. So, for instance, when it comes to like admitting women to the priesthood, this would be an impossibility theologically because the priesthood expresses the masculine form of love, the masculine expression of love. That's why we're called Father, because it expresses fatherly love. It is a masculine vocation by its very nature. Whereas, what do you call the woman in charge of a, of a house of nuns? Mother Superior, because that religious form of life expresses the feminine form, charism of love. Uh, and so we need to understand that it's not about equality, it's about equity, it's uh, not about uh, the fact that everybody is meant to be homogenized and doing the same thing. That's where our culture gets it all wrong. Uh, and you also can't just pick, well, today I'm a man and tomorrow I'm a woman. Uh, so you have to actually be capable. God has given each and every single one of us by our male or female gender, the ability to express a certain form of God's love. And the way that that masculine uh, love is expressed is a fatherly love, is a brotherly love. And the way that feminine love is expressed, it is a motherly love. It is a sisterly love. And we need all of them together to express the full genius of love that God has gifted humanity to express and be in his image and likeness. Well, I can tell you uh, that both of those things are important, and I can tell you not from a uh, official ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical standpoint, right, because that's not my experience. I am not a priest or deacon. I'm a layperson mm -hmm. in an independent apostolate working uh, to help promote the church, but I'm not overseen by the church in any way. But I can tell you, this would be a much lamer show with a lot less insight if it was me and some other dude on the Sunrise Morning Show, and that by having Anna Mitchell, <laughs> it changes the whole face of how we think about stuff. And so uh, that's, that's 
to me, it helps me understand, like, for instance, at the parish level, like women can't be priests. But I can tell you that if you want something done at my parish, you uh, go to the you know, women you in the, the office. You get the pastor the for permission, but you get the women or it's not going to happen. <laughs> so. Absolutely correct. And, and I think what we can look at is how can we increase the ability of women to have a deliberative voice in the church. I think that that's something that we legitimately could look at. I think we could have a permanent standing council of mothers of the church, of female religious superiors as an advisory council in the Vatican. I think we could certainly have uh, women having uh, greater roles in ecumenical councils or synods, uh, you know, the, the synods because the thing is, I mean, look at the history of the church. The first ecumenical council in Nicaea was presided over by the empress, not the pope, you know, or his delegate. He had two uh, liaisons that were there, but it was the fact that it was, it was presided over by the empress. So, I mean, there is no way that we can look back at our history and fail to recognize the authentic role of women in the church and say that women certainly could have a very important role and voice in the life of the church, but we can't. It, it, it would be uh, an error to then try and homogenize or fail to recognize the distinction of how men and women share uh, and express the reality and gift of love. It is a mystery how it all works together. I mean, exactly. uh, Jesus Jesus comes to the world through, as St. Paul tells us, through a woman, right? But at the Last Supper, Absolutely. when he's instituting the priesthood in the Eucharist, it's men. But then when he resurrects, who's he appear to first? A woman. Mary it is a mystery. A mystery. Yeah. Uh, but we all we all matter, and we all got to play our part in the question. Absolutely so much, right. So grateful for you, Father Philip Tangora, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Yes, and now I just got to pray for my Rangers, my New York Rangers. Oh, your New York Rangers. Your Texas Rangers That's had right. a good year. Maybe the Rangers will have, and New York will have yeah. a good one as well. It's 16 past. We got headlines right after this. The Christmas Means Life campaign encourages you to add another person to your Christmas list, the baby Jesus, as represented by women and children in need by making a donation to your local pregnancy center. Another option is to support the JP2 Life Center, committed to saving lives with free pregnancy help services, holistic OBGYN care, and education programs. Find out more at jpiilifecenter.org. That's jpiilifecenter.org. Because Christmas means life. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, lighthouse work, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available. And when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. 
Hi, friends. Janet Williams here. Join me every Wednesday on Women of Grace Live as I welcome new age researcher and blogger for Women of Grace, Sue Brinkman. Sue and I will be talking about all the wacky things that could distract you from your faith. Psychics, yoga, Reiki, crystals, acupuncture, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and astral traveling are just a few of the stranger things we discuss. That's why we call it Wacky Wednesday. So join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Israel has started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the Gaza Strip used by Hamas. Pope Francis, during his general audience today, said he continues to follow the conflict in the Holy Land and urged both sides to resume negotiations. And the Vatican's dicastery for the doctrine of the faith has responded to questions concerning cremation and the preservation of ashes. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Today, the Feast of St. Lucy, Anna Mitchell, and there are lots of cool things uh, related to her story. She, of course, uh, was from Sicily uh, in Syracuse, <laughs> and uh, this is around the year 304. She uh, was a Christian and denounced as such uh, when she was persecuted as part of her torture. Uh, her eyes were removed, and then she was stabbed in the throat. It's a pretty... Horrible Jerusalem. story, but yeah. a pretty, pretty powerful witness. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about some of her patronages because you mentioned oh, yeah. anything related to the eyes, mm-hmm. but also anything related to light. So that means, and uh, we'll go through some of these, uh, against blindness mm-hmm. or eye disease or eye problems, against mm-hmm. sore eyes. Yeah. Um, she's also against spiritual blindness, which is fascinating to me. Really cool. Um, So uh, pray for her to help you notice the blind spots in your own spiritual life. Um, Let's see what else. Uh, Glass blowers and glass makers and stained glass, Mm. which I was like, why is that? And I was like, oh, light goes through because light goes through them. Wow. I thought that was pretty cool. And of course, ophthalmologists, opticians, lamplighters and the like. Are lamplighters still around? I don't know. I have um, gas lights in my patron saint of the light bill. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I suppose. I like. If you that. work in like the electrical industry and you help the lights stay on, I suppose you could invoke the patronage of Saint Lucy as well. She's also patronage of patron patron of writers and scribes. Okay. So, all right. Who work by? Who work by candlelight no back no in doubt. that day? No doubt. Saint Lucy. Pray for us. Pray for all of us. It is 21 minutes past the hour. Why do so many businesses choose to underwrite Sacred Heart Radio? It's because our radio signals reach over 600,000 Catholics locally who've told us they want to use the businesses they hear on Sacred Heart Radio. Listeners that are also in the perfect target consumer group, according to our latest survey. And this is the ideal time to get your business in front of our listeners with our special Christmas underwriting packages. To find out more, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 
at prosartpharmacy.com. Support comes from On a Mission to Love for books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more, all deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. The highest standards, integrity, and best practices are core values at Rainbow International of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky, your partners in residential and commercial insurance repair and restoration. Rainbow International, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. 513-271-1000. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Dr. John Cuddeback. Check out his resources, including his free man or woman of the household courses at his site, life-craft.org. Good morning, Dr. Cuddeback. Good morning, Annie. It's good to have you back. And we're discussing wonder today. Uh, first of all, what is wonder and what would be its contribution to our pursuit of the good life? Wow, I love that question. All right, so here, here is what Aristotle says about wonder. He kind of points to several parts of it, and then you kind of see those parts together, and you get a sense of, get a sense of the whole. So he says you can only wonder if you have first seen something rather dramatic. First, it begins in knowledge. You have to have a vision of something. In seeing that, you recognize that there's so much more to see. So that's why it has to be mm. something kind of special, something a little bit more. You grasp it, but you grasp in such a way that you get a sense that there's, there's a lot more going on than what you are fully getting. That being the case, you're, you're moved with a kind of passion of desire. I want to I get at that, but at the same time, re you realize it's going to be hard to do so. And he says there's a kind of fear involved. So to put those kind of four things together, let's just quickly clump them. You see something, you see that there's more that you're not seeing, you want to see that, but there's a kind of fear that you won't be able to. You and I just like to helped bring... me grow in wonder just even thinking about that definition from Aristotle. <laughs> Continue. Well, I, I want to put it all together and act it out for you. It's like, you know, you, 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 see, a, you see a moon rise and you just, and, 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 your, and your breath is taken away from you. Oh! Well, that, it, it, it's all going on right there because yeah. you, you, you've seen it. But part of it is just taking your breath away. It's just the sense of where did this come from? Like, what is with this moon? Yeah. And it, but so it's so it's, it's moving you. It's moving you deeply, and you're stretching forth towards it. But there's that. But you know that 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 good, and it can be a a, a good fear. But it's also a fear, and the other side of that, the key element there. That's what kind of kind of scare people off. They kind of have that moment of wonder, and they and they turn away because they don't know what to do with it. Well, if you allow yourself to continue 
with that wonder, can that help you grow in wisdom? Oh, and Aristotle says that this reality that he's just described is the beginning of philosophy. Mm. And philosophy, of course, is not the study, the thing you study at college. For him, philosophy is, is, is simply the pursuit of wisdom. And so this is necessarily where it starts, but it, it's where it needs to start, but it doesn't mean it will start from that. So that's, that's the challenge. Right? So as you put it, it can be the beginning. If we respond to it rightly, say, hey, this wonder that's arising in me, this is a call for me to go after something. So we become so jaded. I mean, you were talking about the moonrise, and how often do we not even look at the sky when we walk outside? You know, we're just we're so right. focused on our screens. We're so focused on whatever is going on in our lives that we, we can't. What is it in Mary Poppins? You don't see past the end of your nose, something mm -hmm. along those mm -hmm. lines. Mm -hmm. we, we just get so used to things as we get older. So do you have any advice for those of us who are adults and how to, to foster a sense of wonder, to rediscover a sense of wonder in our lives. Well, I do. I mean, first of all, I, let's just take it to the top and say, let's, let, let's pray about this. Lord, Lord, you've designed me to be a creature of wonder. Help me, help me to rediscover that. Help me to recognize that is something I have to work on. And then take it to concrete things. I'll tell you a little thing that I do. Sometimes it's a little embarrassing, but when I walk out, I, and I live in the country here, it's so, it's so beautiful. When I, There's a certain spot at the end of my yard until I'm, I'm going to my chores. When I get there, I've made a resolution. I just stop, and I go down on one knee, mm. and I just, look at, I just look at the mountain, and I say, and I say thank you, Lord. And I just, I just take just a moment. You know, gratitude is, 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 is a nice kind of bedfellow there with wonder. They, they go very much mm. together. And so, so the little practices to try to remind ourselves, little things where we stop. We're just going to have to set concrete ways, and I have found that's a really helpful one. Choose a particular spot or a particular time to, to, to stop and just kind of raise our thoughts and heart in prayer and gratitude in, in a sense of wonder. What do you think about, particularly this time of year, Dr. Cutterback, as as we contemplate the, the coming of Christ as, as a baby in the manger, of course, but also as we contemplate the second coming of Christ. How can we better think of these mysteries with a sense of wonder? Well, that's, that's, a, that's a great, great question. And I think we begin by recognizing that's a key part of the design, that this is a season of wonder. And out, that's the way God wanted it to be. That's the why he designed it with the wonderful images yeah. that we have of the, you know, of the stable and the manger and the, and the shepherds out there at night and the stars and the angels appearing and the coming of the Magi. All, all, all these things are, are, are literally wonderful. They're, they're, they're amazing. And, and, and so then the practices that we have I mean, is such a big part, especially in the age in which we live, to have the, the practice of, of the, uh, the rituals and the decorating of the tree. Not to get lost in the tinsel. This is a fine line. Right? Not, not to get into yeah. the chintzy, the, 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 what, what am I saying? You, you know, the, the, the stuff that's the trappings. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's, that's so cheap. But the things that are a, a sense of, 
of decorating and celebrating with a sense of beauty that raises all of our hearts and minds in, in a kind of sense of wonder. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. John Cutterback. You can find his site, life-craft.org, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Israel has started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the Gaza Strip that's used by Hamas. That, according to U.S. officials briefed on the operation, Israel has refused to comment. Israeli forces say Hamas used the tunnels to move around the battlefield and to store rockets and ammunition. Massive pumps have been put together over the past few weeks, while Israel apparently weighed its options. The plan is controversial con- controversial among some family members of Israeli hostages still being held by Hamas. They fear that their loved ones might be in these tunnels and could be killed by the flooding. Pope Francis, during his general audience today, said he continues to follow the conflict in the Holy Land and urged both sides to resume negotiations. He asked that all hostages be released and called on everyone to make an urgent commitment to get humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza. Meanwhile, the United Nations General Assembly is demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. Brian Shook reports. On Tuesday, the General Assembly got a two-thirds majority and passed the resolution demanding a ceasefire. Two amendments to the ceasefire proposed by the U.S. and Austria both failed. The U.S. says it supports a pause in fighting, but not a ceasefire that would allow Hamas to plan another attack. I'm Brian Shook. Nearly 200 countries at the U.N. Climate Summit are agreeing to move away from fossil fuels. The COP28 summit is underway in Dubai, and today the world's nations approved a global pact that calls for transitioning away from fossil fuels that contribute to global warming. Many nations have been calling for a complete phase-out of fossil fuels, but that proposal was rejected by major oil exporters. Instead, countries have agreed on a deal that would accelerate a global shift away from fossil fuels this decade. Bishops around the world have received information from Rome explaining the next stages of the Synod on Synodality. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. After the closing of the first part of the Synod in October, churches are now called to promote further consultation and to prepare contributions for the second and final session in October 2024. To this end, bishops across the world have just received a document with instructions from the Secretariat of the Synod. The synodal process will continue along some lines of work, keeping in mind Pope Francis' remarks that the synod is about synodality and not about this or that theme. Regarding the specific themes that have emerged so far, the text explains that some will need to be considered with the Vatican dicasteries. These matters include, for example, the updating of the codes of canon law and the deepening of theological and pastoral research on women's admission to the diaconate. 
A report on the progress of this work will be presented to the Assembly in October 2024. Discussions will revolve around the central question of how to be a synodal church in mission with the aim to identify the paths to follow to enhance the unique contribution of each baptized person and of each church to the mission of proclaiming the gospel to today's world. The key word in this will be that of co-responsibility. This guiding question will be addressed on two levels, local and central. With this in mind, the document invites each church to carry out a further consultation, also involving theologians, canonists and local academic institutions. The summaries of the contributions will serve as a basis for the Instrumentum Laboris, the working document of the 2024 Synod. I am Lisa Zingarini. Harvard's governing board has voted to keep Claudine Gay as the school's president. She has faced calls for resignation and firing after her appearance before a congressional committee to discuss anti-Semitism on campus. She and other Ivy League school leaders face criticism for their answers to questions about whether calls for the genocide of Jews violate school rules. In a message to the Harvard community, the board said their deliberations affirmed their confidence that Claudine Gay is the right leader. That's the news. It's 35 minutes past the hour. The podcast of the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith lets you replay an interview or share it whenever you like. And the markers help you to find the discussion quickly. The podcast are in the daily show notes at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. SKPHA.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can help deck the halls this Christmas. Heirloom quality nativities, advent wreaths, books, CDs, and much more in beautiful Miamisburg or stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of St. Lucy, Wednesday, December the 13th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be a little chillier today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be partly cloudy, then sunny skies today with a high of 42 degrees. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 25. Sunny tomorrow with a high of 46 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, some clouds this morning giving way to mostly sunny skies this afternoon and a high near 43 degrees. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 23. Sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 47. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Augustine Weta. He's a Benedictine who has written a book that I 
have found extremely helpful. It's called Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Help of the Church or of the Desert Fathers. Father Weta, good morning. Uh, good morning. All right. So we are on a story today of a young monk asking an old monk about trouble praying. I wonder if you could share that with us. Right. And, and this is what I, uh, I love about Desert Fathers, or, or one of the things is that they managed to pack a whole lot of theology into very few words. Uh, but the story goes like this. A young monk asked his elder, why is it that whenever I start working, I feel weary and disgusted, and my mind completely empty of spiritual thoughts? And the old monk said to him, because you do not really desire to pray. Uh, and it's when you think about it, the old monk is distinguishing between three ways of making a decision. First of all, what you want to do, and then what you think you want to do, and then what you really want to do. <laughs> and, I, yeah, I originally thought I had got this from Thomas Aquinas, but it turns out I just got it from the Desert Fathers that, you know, you're if you live your life by Internet memes, and I don't recommend it, um, you'll hear people say things like, well, uh, follow your heart, uh, but that's just a terrible piece of advice. If I followed my heart, I would be married and divorced 50 times over just in the last week. Um, or then they'll say, well, think carefully about what you're going to do. But, but that, too, is not entirely dependable, your brain, because I pretty much, I don't know about you, but I'll pretty much go with whoever has the best argument at the moment. So. You can't really follow your heart or your mind. Well, well, you don't want to do something that you hate, and you don't want to do something that you think is stupid. But really, the really greatest, most important ideas and uh, decisions in life are made at the level of sort of the gut, which I think Thomas Aquinas would call the will. Um, so, for example, I've got a friend who was trying to decide whether to become a, a Benedictine or a Dominican, and so he flipped a coin. He said, heads I'm a Benedictine, tails I'm a Dominican. And in this particular case, he came up with tails, and he was disappointed, so he became a Benedictine. <laughs> but because he didn't really know how he felt about it until he had flipped the coin. Um, so really, in the end... Um, Thinking, you can think very hard about something, and you can feel very strongly about something. But when it comes to, say, I don't know, getting married or raising your kids or throwing yourself on a hand grenade or charging a machine gun bunker, uh, really that you, do, you don't do because you thought it carefully through. And you certainly don't charge a machine gun nest because you want to. It's just something that you do. Yeah, and it's something that has become a part of you because, in, in some ways, you you formed yourself to be that that kind of person. I know I, I there's always these crazy scenarios that happen and pop up, and you know the question, you know, what would I do in that situation? And we all like yeah. to think that we you know would know what we'd want to do, uh, but yeah. uh, the the reality is, what kind of person am I making myself into? <laughs> because well, that yeah. is kind of probably going to be a a better determination of what I would actually do in that moment. 
Well, and even the way we talk about it, like just now you said, even the way we think what we, uh, you said, even the way we think about what we, oh, shoot. Well, anyway, it, it was more like you think very hard about it. But, like, I think it was George Orwell who said some ideas are so stupid only intellectuals will believe them. And I think, for example, Marxism is one of those ideas. We've got this great old um, monk at the monastery named Father Finbar, who is an Irish monk who joined an English monastery. So you get the kind of idea. Oh, wow. You get a sense of what kind of guy he is. He did not think carefully about that. Well, I think he did (laughs) because he just loves to contradict everyone. Uh, but our juniors are having some sort of heated debate over some sort of theological issue. And, and he finally said to one of them, you know, your argument makes a lot of sense, but I'm guessing there's someone smarter in the world with a different opinion, and I'm going to believe that guy. <laughs> Which you might think is a stupid way to think about something, but in fact, it makes a lot of sense that, uh, that whoever has the best argument really ought to win, Right. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I so mean, what? Yeah. I've been thinking. Uh, as you say this, I'm, uh, there are like a thousand references that have thinking. popped up in my mind. <laughs> yes. So uh, <laughs> thinking. I've been thinking carefully. Uh, but you know, <laughs> thinking carefully is not enough because uh, I mean, if you've seen like right. the Ocean's Eleven movies, you have to think carefully in order to do the very immoral act of robbing a casino. Thinking carefully right. alone is not. Merely it. I think even uh, Thomas Merton says something about it's not going to be if we go to the brink of nuclear war or if we look back at like genocides, it's not usually crazy people do them. It's usually very sane and extremely almost overly rational people who do these horrible things. Um, It it takes me back to what Chesterton says when he says that the the, the people you should not be worried about, uh, you shouldn't be worried about the people who have lost their reason. You should be worried about the people who have lost everything except their reason because uh, then they've lost the human things that balance wow. out the reason i wish i'd talked to you before i wrote this book actually <laughs> <laughs> i could have used that quote yeah. yeah well for lack of a better word what what, what the old monk says what, what he's referring to is what you really desire i think he's talking about the will the, the most basic fundamental part of us that is informed by the intellect and the emotions, but not dictated by them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So how do you, in the world do you communicate this to high schoolers? Uh, well, I don't, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. They, I, well, I think we don't give high schoolers quite enough credit. They, they tend to figure this. They like things like categories of will and emotion. We were actually talking yesterday about hip-hop dance. And whether you could actually analyze that and decide that one dancer was better than another dancer, or do you just decide from the level of the gut? You just say that looks pretty. Um, but in fact, even when it comes down to something so silly as well, I guess they're hip hop dancers who wouldn't call it silly, but I think it's silly. Uh, uh, something as basic or silly or. or inconsequential as whether you like a hip-hop dancer even that you've got different levels of thinking uh whether you personally feel drawn to it or whether you think it's technically difficult or whether your gut just says that's good yeah you know and it's a separate question to say i think that's silly 
than it is to say, I think if I tried that, I would look silly. So uh, those are two right. separate questions. <laughs> and, and well, of course, who cares what you think it's silly if you don't know anything about it? Right. That's true. That's true. Well, the book is called Pray, Think, Act. It's about discernment. It's about decision-making. And uh, there's some great old monk stories in here that help us maybe take a step back and think about things a little differently than we might be thinking or feeling about them in a certain moment and maybe purify our wills a little bit. Yeah. Father Augustine Weta, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. God bless. Uh, all right. And again... Go to sunrisemorningshow.com, find Father Augustine's book, find all the people we talk to on a daily basis, put in your email address, get show notes delivered to your inbox every morning. We're back with headlines after this. It's 14 till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hey, this is Michael O'Neill, the Miracle Hunter. I'll be delving into the fascinating world of miracles and taking you on a hunt that explores the greatest mysteries and marvels of the Catholic Church. I'll be examining what constitutes a miracle, how miracles are investigated and approved, and the role they play in the lives of the faithful. We'll look at the miracles of the Gospels in early Christianity, considering the claims of the miraculous in our own modern age. The Miracle Hunter, Saturday at 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. This is Dr. David Anders. Does the problem of evil keep you from believing in God? Join us for Called to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for joining us on this Feast of St. Lucy, Wednesday the 13th of December. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Israel has started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the Gaza Strip used by Hamas, according to U.S. officials briefed on the matter. Pope Francis, during his general audience today, asked for a resumption of negotiations in the Holy Land. And the Vatican's dicastery for the doctrine of faith responded to questions concerning cremation and the preservation of ashes. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Katie Bogner. She's got a new book for children 
all about Advent and Christmas, sharing the seasons of hope and wonder with children. Katie, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. It's great to have you. What all do you cover in this book? Well, we try to hit all of the important customs and traditions and really the why behind Advent and leading into Christmas. And I love to see that um, there is a an imprimatur from the church, which tells me that there are some deep theological things that are being discussed in here. It's not just, you know, jingle bells and <laughs> all of that. Yeah, that's super important to me. So I'm a Catholic school teacher, and so if I'm going to create something that is catechetical for homes and families and parishes and schools, I want to make sure everything in it is really clear and, and of course, you know, sharing the truth of the faith. So what made you want to write a book specifically about Advent and Christmas? This is not your first go-around with books for children. So I I have a lot of books in my classroom, um, and there are some beautiful books about different Advent traditions, like the Jesse Tree, for example. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we have, I mean, there are hundreds of beautiful Christmas picture books, uh, and those are so important to retell the story of that first Christmas, but there really isn't anything until now that helps explain, like, the why behind Advent. What is this season all about, and how does it actually stem from the waiting for the Messiah in the Old Testament? So I really wanted to create something that told that overall message of the season, but also dove into, in little bite-sized pieces for children, the, the reasons behind the customs we do, like the Jesse tree and the Advent wreath, as well as saints that we love to celebrate, like St. Lucy today and St. Nicholas and Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you think about kids, they get excited ahead of Christmas because of Christmas. I mean, they're about to get a bunch of presents under the Christmas tree, right? So how can parents kind of, I guess, harness that excitement for, for you know, the trappings of Christmas like that, but get excited about the fact that the Lord is coming? A huge theme that runs through the book is waiting, because, of course, you know, none of us are good at waiting. We're not good at waiting for Christmas to come. We're not good at waiting for our birthday or for the bell to ring at the end of the school day or whatever it is. So um, that's one of the things the book kind of opens with the the waiting for the Messiah to come and, and how our Advent might be for, well, this week, either this year, it's, you know, three weeks in a day. It's so short. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Our waiting for Christmas this particular year might seem so long, but when you actually look at what Advent really is telling the story of, the the people of God had to wait thousands of years for the Messiah to come. And I think one thing that families can do to help, you know, curb that that excitement, but also like harness it, like you said, is to is to really dive into the story of what are we really waiting for and what does it mean to wait well and to wait with hope. And so to kind of turn that that excitement and that attention away from the presents, which are wonderful, and there's a reason for them, but to make sure that our focus is really on the Lord coming at Christmas. And then we celebrate with those gifts that we exchange with our loved ones. And one of those aids that we have is the use of the Advent wreath, which, you know, each successive Sunday of Advent, we light another Candle, can you talk about how you teach children about the theme of light in this book? Yeah, so light is another theme that carries through, of course, like the movement from darkness, the darkness of sin, and then the gift of light that we have in Christ. And the Advent wreath, of course, is a perfect way to teach about that. We see them in our parishes, and hopefully a lot of families have them on their dinner table at home, and they're lighting their candles each week. 
Um, but there's there's so many so much symbolism just packed right into the wreath. So in the book, we go into the meaning of the different colors of the candles and um, the evergreen wreath, how it is circular and has no beginning and no end, and it's evergreen, it never fades. And we also talk about how as the candles burn down, so in the illustration in the book, it was really important to me that the, the representation of the fourth week, actually the candles were different heights mm-hmm. um, because, you know, yes. the first week has burned way down, and then the second week, a lot, you know, a little yeah. bit more. So um, the idea that the burning of the candle shows the passage of time, and that's something in our modern culture with electricity we don't always think about. So as those candles burn down, it also represents our waiting and that, that the Lord has almost come. We're almost there. Yeah. Yeah. And the illustrations in this book are beautiful. If listeners, um, if you're watching the live stream on video, you've been seeing me open the book up to various pages that she is identifying as she uh, tells us more about what she has for children and all about Advent and Christmas. And Katie, I'm wondering, what are your favorite Advent traditions? Is there anything that that you learned while you were putting this book together? Oh, gosh, I learned so much. You know, you think you know a lot. You know, I'm a cradle Catholic and have done many Advents before. Um, But if you're going to take something and have to explain it to children, you have to know it really well. And so there are some really cool things that I maybe had heard of or seen but didn't quite know the origin behind. So so one of the fun things we did was we tried to find some different Advent traditions from around the world because, of course, different cultures celebrate the season sometimes a little differently. And so one of my favorite ones, which is actually coming up, that I learned about was Bambinelli Sunday, um, which is really popular in Italy and and sometimes is celebrated. But if if you're not familiar with that, the idea is that you bring the little baby Jesus that you're going to put in your nativity on Christmas um, you bring that to Mass on the third Sunday of Advent and have the priest bless that little Christ figure. Um, so just a really special thing. And it's actually um, been um, practiced at the Vatican for around 30 years or so, um, where children bring their little baby Jesus to the Vatican and receive a blessing from the Pope. Um, I recently read a, a wonderful blessing that Pope Benedict did, and it was just so sweet and warm for the children. So I think that's a really fun tradition. It is. It is. And um just finally, as as we wrap up this conversation, Katie, I mean, what do you hope that children, but also their parents and teachers who will be reading this book alongside them will will take away from from reading this book together and uh, I guess enhance their their Advent uh, commemorations? Yeah, I mean, obviously the book is focused on Advent and Christmas, but the big takeaway I really hope that children and their families gain is the beauty of the liturgical year and how everything in it leads us closer to Christ, helps us to know his story and the reason for which he came. And so I hope that it helps them to not just like, you know, zoom through the season of Advent and only see Christmas as as a time of, you know, gift giving, but really to see how it fits within the liturgical year and leads us closer to Christ. The book is called All About Advent and Christmas, Sharing the Seasons of Hope and wonder with children. We've been talking to the author, Katie Bogner. Katie, really appreciate your time this morning. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day. You do the same. Thank you. And of course, you can find this book and all of our guests linked at sonrisemorningshow.com in the show notes for today. Go back and watch the video live stream if you want to take a look at some of the pictures that are in here. They are beautiful. Well, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. 
If you just received Sacred Heart Radio's Christmas newsletter, then you also receive the QR card for everyone to scan our QR code and get the Sacred Heart Radio app. Then they can hear us on their smartphone from anywhere and car radio through Bluetooth, where it sounds better than FM and never fades no matter where they travel. So to shine the light of Christ into every soul you know, flash the QR card and share the media source you use to hear the good news. Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Trinity Church Supply, providing church supplies and religious gifts worldwide. From Catholic greeting cards, books, and willow tree to sterling silver medals, rosaries, sacramental gifts, and statues. Trinity Church Supply, 5479 North Bend Road. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. I'm Precious Blood Father Kevin Scow from Archbishop McNicholas High School. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. our way on this Wednesday, December the 13th, the Feast of St. Lucy, Virgin and Martyr. Let's begin this hour praying the antiphon for her feast day with the Canticle of Zechariah in morning prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I am the Lord's poor servant. To him alone, the living God, I have offered all in sacrifice. I have nothing else to give. I offer him myself. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. 
He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in, a, in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. Good morning and welcome to Hour 3 here exclusively for our Sacred Heart Radio audience listening on 7.40 a.m., 9.10 a.m. Good morning to everyone listening via the Sunrise Morning Show app or via the special smart speaker channel that we have, Sacred Heart Radio. Play Sacred Heart Radio. I'm Anna Mitchell. Paul Lockman will be along with a sports report coming up after the news. And up this hour, we will continue our uh, mini Advent series with Father Frank Donio spending this season with the founder of his order, St. Vincent Pilati. We'll get another Christmas from the kitchen gift ideas, a recipe from Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. And we'll wrap things up for the day with Ken Craycraft talking about the season of Advent. Hope you can stick around and enjoy the entire hour ahead. Right now, it's two minutes past, and news is a service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Israel has started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the Gaza Strip used by Hamas. That, according to U.S. officials briefed on the operation, Israel has not commented. Israeli forces say Hamas used the tunnels to move around the battlefield and to store rockets and ammunition. The plan to flood the tunnels is controversial among some family members of Israeli hostages still being held by Hamas. They fear their loved ones might be in those tunnels and could be killed by flooding. Pope Francis, during his general audience today, said he continues to follow the conflict and urged both sides to resume negotiations. He asked that all hostages be released and called on everyone to make an urgent commitment to get humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza. President Biden says Ukraine will only win its war against Russia with sustained support from the U.S. Mark Mayfield reports. While speaking alongside Ukrainian President Zelensky at the White House, Biden said Putin is banking on Congress to fail to deliver more aid. Biden said Ukraine's success is vital to global security and indicated he's willing to compromise with Republicans on U.S. border policy reforms. Republicans are demanding border policy changes in exchange for Ukraine funding. The president is urging Congress to strike a deal before Christmas. I'm Mark Mayfield. Nearly 200 countries at the U.N. Climate Summit are agreeing to move away from fossil fuels. The COP28 summit underway in Dubai today. The world's nations approved a global pact that calls for transitioning away from fossil fuels that contribute to global warming. Many nations have been calling for a complete phase out of fossil fuels, but that proposal was rejected by major oil exporters. Instead, countries have agreed on a deal that would accelerate a global shift away from fossil fuels this decade. 
The Vatican's dicastery for the doctrine of the faith has responded to questions concerning cremation and the preservation of ashes. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has responded to two questions submitted by Cardinal Matteo Zuppi of Bologna concerning the preservation of the ashes of Christians who have been cremated after their death. The first question asked whether it is possible to prepare a defined and permanent sacred place for the commingled accumulation and preservation of the ashes of the baptized, indicating the basic details of each person so as not to lose the memory of their names, similar to what occurs in ossuaries, where the mineralized remains of the deceased are cumulatively deposited and preserved. The dicastery responded that this is possible, recalling that it is important to preserve the remains in such a way that the faithful departed are not forgotten nor excluded from the prayers of the Christian community. The dicastery also emphasized the importance of showing respect for the bodily remains of Christians while avoiding any unfitting or superstitious practices. Colonel Zuppi's second question concerned the possibility of families preserving Preserving a portion of the cremated remains in a place that is significant for the history of the deceased. The dicastery once again responded affirmatively, noting that the remains of the baptized have always been treated with particular care and devotion, especially regarding the relics of saints. For this reason, the dicastery said that while complying with relevant civil regulations, ecclesial authorities could consider allowing a family to preserve in an appropriate way a minimal part of the ashes of their relative in a place of significance for the history of the deceased person. Person, providing that every type of pantheistic, naturalistic, or nihilistic misunderstanding is ruled out, and provided also that the ashes of the deceased are kept in a sacred place. I'm Christopher Wells. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show, and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. And uh, just uh, going over some sports news, really don't have a whole lot as far as scores or anything. I mean, I can start with the uh, one score I do have. Cincinnati is now 8-1 and in the college basketball world after their 85-53 win over Bryant. Uh, Bearcats just led by three at half and then dominated the second half. Cincinnati will uh, take on another rival on Saturday. They take on the Dayton Flyers, who are 7-2. Uh, and two. That should be a uh, fun contest to keep an eye on. Xavier in action Saturday, hosting Winthrop. Bengals released their injury report for their uh, Saturday afternoon game against the Vikings. Jamar Chase missed the walkthrough with an ankle injury. We'll keep an eye Did on that. Saturday afternoon? Yes. What? Saturday. Saturday, the, I don't know who sings the song. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, that is when Cincinnati will play the Minnesota Vikings. And the Vikings, drumroll please, they've announced a change at quarterback for their upcoming game against Cincinnati. Minnesota's head coach, Kevin O'Connell, has named Mick, Nick Mullins their starter. Hmm. Uh, Mullins becomes the fourth different uh, starting quarterback for the team since Kirk Cousins went down with a season-ending injury. Of course, they had uh, Josh Dobbs. There for a little bit, but after their three to nothing showing against the <laughs> the Raiders, I think uh, they they're gonna go with Mullins. Who Mullins was Try the guy? New. Yeah, he was Super the guy who longer. actually came into the game and and led them on that uh, game winning drive. Oh, for the three points! Wow. For the three yeah. points. Okay, so uh, there you there you have it. So I uh, well, that'll be interesting. I suppose so. Saturday. Okay. Yes, yeah, Saturday. Okay. So there, yeah. 
for for sure. So hopefully, uh, short turnaround for the guys, and uh, they, we need every one of these games mm-hmm. as uh, as the year continues. Yep, absolutely. Let's get to traffic now. On a Wednesday, a traffic service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. What are you looking at, Anna? Well, we got a couple of accidents to start out and uh, causing quite the backup. Northbound 75 at the Western Hills Viaduct. The left lane is blocked right now, which has you stacked up behind it all the way to downtown, like to the bridge. And then in northern Kentucky, you're actually slowing from Turfway all the way up to the river. So if you're starting down in Florence and trying to get up, Toward the west side, you're going to be sitting in some traffic for a little while here. Left lane blocked with an accident on westbound 275 at 5 Mile, and that looks to be about a 30-minute delay behind it right now, not quite backed up to U.S. 32. Other slow traffic, southbound 71, slowing from Field Zertle down to the Norwood Lateral, north or sorry, southbound 75 is running slow as you head through the Lachlan split and down toward the lateral. Now for weather, still kind of chilly out. A little bit of a warm up tomorrow. Partly cloudy today to start out in Cincinnati with sunshine later in a high of 42 degrees. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 25. Sunshine tomorrow and a high of 46 degrees. For the Miami Valley at Dayton area, some clouds this morning giving way to mostly sunny skies this afternoon and a high near 43. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 23. Sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 47 degrees. Today is Wednesday, December the 13th, Feast of St. Lucy, Virgin and Martyr. Pray for us. It's 11 past. Matt? Well, if you were to wake up after a few weeks of sleep and try and figure out what time of the year it was, you might be able to figure out from the smells. And that is certainly the case with Advent and heading into the Christmas season. Here to talk about some of that is Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning, and what a fun topic today. I love this topic. You've talked about Victorian manger herbs and some of the other ways that people try and create smells in their household to really drive home this question of what it means to welcome Christ into our hearts and our homes. So how do you want to set the stage for this? Well, let's first of all, um, most of us have what we call a crash or a, a crib or a manger scene. We certainly do. We grew up with it, and I know you didn't, but I know that you have one now. And back in Vin- Victorian times, Matt, very interestingly, um, the folks then used Bible herbs actually to, um, as part of their crib scene to decorate the manger. So it's so interesting because a lot of the herbs we use not only in, in decorating but also in, in cooking have their descendants in the Bible. So today we're going to talk about a few that you could put in your manger. All right, and some of these would be really cool. You know, you've been talking about gifts to give. Uh, you know, handmade gifts. It would be cool to give somebody a package of something that had a few of these herbs in it and uh, and spices and just regular plants. So tell us about some of them. Oh, okay. Well, let's start with bed straw because, you know, uh, 
Jesus was laid in the manger, and Mary, and by the way, these are legends, just something fun to share with uh, family and yeah, friends. Yeah, if you Google bed, bed straw in the Bible, you're probably not going to find the exact <laughs> species. So. No, but um, the legend says that Mary laid uh, Jesus on bed straw, and, and that was just a, a common, really a weed um, that was just common in stables. And the legend is that originally it had no scent, but the aroma turned sweet when Jesus was laid upon it. Isn't that just a lovely thought? Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, man, there's some other great, uh, you know, herbs and smells. You know, one of the ones that I hadn't really thought about until you mentioned to it, it to me several years back is Pennyroyal. Oh, yeah, that's a member of the mint family. So um, when, when children in Sicily and Italy visit uh, the manger, they usually tuck sprigs of Pennyroyal in the straw. Um, and, and some say this plant, too, was transformed. That is, it lay in the manger because, as I said, it's a member of the mint family. It had a nice smell but no blossoms. So when Jesus was born and uh, Joseph laid some pennyroyal in his uh, little bed, it burst into bright purple blossoms. And we know purple is the color of kings. So I think that foretold something as well, don't you? Well, not just the color of kings, but the color of Advent. So <laughs> there, there you go with that. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, uh, man, there's so much to to talk about here. You know, lavender, rosemary, both of these are really, I mean, they're they're smells I associate with a lot of times of the year, but it seems like this time of year they get highlighted a lot. Oh yeah, you know, lavender symbolizes purity and virtue, and we know. Oh, it's so soothing and calming, especially. I mean, all kinds of baby stuff is lavender scented. Yeah, and you can even make a lavender spritzer to spritz on your pillow at night. It is a very calming herb. And then rosemary, gosh, we think of Christmas trees and that pine smell. That represents love, but also remembrance and loyalty. And the legend there, Matt, has it that rosemary will not grow taller than Jesus when he was on earth. Supposedly, well, I had never heard that before. Well, here's the legend, supposedly six feet or live longer than he did, which was 33 years. years. So, Wow. Yeah, such some fun, not really facts, because none of us were there, but certainly some herbs and spices that have biblical significance that we can use today. And um, there's several of them in this uh, recipe for manger gingerbread cookies that I'm sharing. All right, I want to know about this recipe, so lay it out for us. Really easy. Um, it's from my friend Aaron across the road. Not real spicy, but really easy dough for the little ones to work and rework. You're going to start off with some butter, sugar, and molasses, and you're just going to melt that, let that cool a little bit, and you're going to beat in an egg, and then uh, just stir in some flour, baking soda, and then some biblical spices, ginger, cinnamon, and ground cloves. And the aroma is just amazing. And you're just going to make a dough, um, let it uh, sit in the fridge because it's sort of a sticky dough. And when you roll it out, you roll it out on a little bit of flour. And let the little ones, what we do is what we're going to do this weekend is we're going to have cookie cutters, gingerbread cookie cutters. And we're going to make one for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. So you could make crosses. You could do just all kinds of things with a this Christmas show. star. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, there's uh, unlimited options. You can make a little manger out of gingerbread. It's it's a really cool thing. I, I love this idea. And, you know, I don't know what your favorite gingerbread ingredient is. Um, I think the molasses is the X factor. Uh, I don't know if you have a favorite smell that comes out of the gingerbread. I'd be very curious about it. Well, the molasses I love because it's such an uh, – it's not used very often in cookies. 
the, the combination of ginger, cinnamon, and cloves, oh, it gets me every time. And I'm telling you what, I made some of this dough the other day, and I was eating it right out of the bowl. But um, one of the things, as you mentioned, you can freeform this dough into any shape, and no matter how much you work with it, it stays tender. And you can uh, make it, oh gosh, a week ahead and put it in the fridge. And it's just a, a lovely way to think about Advent and what's coming, you know, Jesus' birth, and to um, have some family fun and, and friends over because that's what it's about, not just about the food, but who shares it with you. Always love it. Thank you so much, Rita Heikenfeld. You can find abouteating.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We got traffic and weather coming up next. It's 17 past. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Deacon Tracy Jameson will describe the prayers of St. John of the Cross. Joseph Pierce will discuss his new history, the good, the bad, and the beautiful. I will reflect on the great feast of St. Lucy with frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Driving home the faith. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. 19 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive at pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Still got the left lane blocked at the Western Hills Viaduct on northbound 75, and traffic is slow all the way past uh, Burlington Pike now, so the backup's getting even a little bigger behind it. You're going to need some extra time or perhaps um, redirect your route. It looks like some people are doing that because you are slowing on 275 as you approach the 471 interchange. When you get on 471, you'll move pretty well. You'll be heavy from Alexandria Pike up to the river. Eastbound 74 running slow from North Bend into the 75 interchange. Southbound 75 is still slow through the Lachlan split. Both directions of 71, often on heavy and slow between 275 and the Norwood lateral. And it looks like the earlier accident on westbound 275 
around five mile has been cleared, but you are still yet to see that backup completely burn off. So you're backed up toward, looks like Beachmont. Okay, now for weather. Partly cloudy starting off today in Cincinnati, then sunny skies with a high of 42 degrees. Clear skies tonight with an overnight low of 25. Sunshine tomorrow and a high of 46. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, clouds this morning giving way to sunny skies this afternoon and a high near 43. Clear tonight and an overnight low of 23. Sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 47. Please pray with me now the prayer for Ohio. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart to offer the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Father Frank Donio joins us next. It's 22 past. Why do so many businesses choose to underwrite Sacred Heart Radio? It's because our radio signals reach over 600,000 Catholics locally who've told us they want to use the businesses they hear on Sacred Heart Radio. Listeners that are also in the perfect target consumer group, according to our latest survey. And this is the ideal time to get your business in front of our listeners with our special Christmas underwriting packages. To find out more, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Trinity Church Supply, providing church supplies and religious gifts worldwide. From Catholic greeting cards, books, and willow tree, to sterling silver medals, rosaries, sacramental gifts, and statues. Trinity Church Supply, 5479 North Bend Road. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton. RoseAutomotiveGroup.com. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Good morning, Father Frank. Good morning, Anna. It's good to have you back. And we're continuing our mini-series, Spending Advent with St. Vincent Pilati. And today we are focusing on the theme of joy. And I think we all think we know what joy is, Father, but 
When I think about that verse from St. Paul that says, you know, rejoice in the Lord always, I don't think joy is just being emotionally happy. So what exactly is it? No, and joy is something that's much more, much deeper, and really is, as St. Vincent Pilate says, holy cheerfulness is a precious fruit of the gifts of the Holy Spirit Mm. and is thus the mark of a true servant of the Lord. Holy cheerfulness. And and I, I like that holy cheerfulness. I think there he talks about joy a little a little later, which I'll, I'll mention later. But this cheerfulness is really what he's talking about. This this joy. It's not just simply here, put on a smile, and you know, and and just simply go through go through life, not recognizing that our true peace, our true joy, comes in being a disciple of Christ, a servant of Christ. That's where true joy is. Happiness, too often people are searching for happiness, and that's really fleeting. Mm-hmm. You know? And this time of year, it, it really focuses in on that, oh, that that gift that somebody wants or this, yep. this thing that they think is going to really make them extra happy, and, and then it goes away. Joy, true joy that comes from the Lord doesn't go away. And there's that that cheerfulness, really, what, what St. Vincent is saying is we have to radiate this, especially toward people who we, we he calls them strangers. And what he's talking about are people who may not, may not agree with us or, or may be hostile toward us or don't, or, or, really don't have a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if we're sour and bitter and nasty, where does that show the <sighs> joy of Christ? Yeah. Father, you're, you're yeah. I, as I, I read this full quote, and I'll have you read it um, mm-hmm. in its fullness here in just a second. But when I was reading this quote from St. Vincent, I started thinking about you know, how often I lament all of this, you know, celebrating Christmas, Christmas music starts on the radio stations on, you know, Halloween and mm-hmm. all of the, the consumerism and, and all the stuff that people want at Christmas. And I just started thinking, if I'm just scoffing at them or or being mean about it. I mean, what are they going to think about a Christian's experience of this season? Yes, I, I think that's very true. And so while we can, you know, of course, we begin the Christmas season at Christmas and continue on, mm-hmm. and people may find us strange for doing that, but we can enter into the the joy that people or the happiness that people are, and help them through our witness, something as simple as a smile. You know, we're, we might be out shopping or we might be out doing something and and maybe we, we feel stressed about all these different things we need to do. Do we take that extra time with someone who maybe, maybe they bumped into us or maybe there was a long line and we're, we're, we're feeling kind of off? Do we take the time to smile, to just simply give a kind word, to give a greeting to someone else. Those simple things 
are ways of witnessing the joy that comes from Christ and witnessing our our lives as Christians. And they don't cost anything. It's the best part. Well, maybe not the best part. I'm just kidding. But it is nice <laughs> that it's that it is free to give and that we should give freely as the Lord gave freely. Why don't you read this full quote for us from St. Vincent? So holy cheerfulness is a precious gift of the fruits of the Holy Spirit and is thus the mark of a true servant of the Lord. So in face, in looks, in reciprocal remarks, and in a special way towards strangers, all must radiate holy cheerfulness and joy. It must be remembered that if this characteristic is lacking, they will lead few people to God because they will not encourage many to be enthusiastic about following our Lord Jesus Christ. On the other hand, their example of cheerfulness and joy will help people to understand that the following of our Lord Jesus Christ is the basis of a life of true happiness. Mm. And this was in a letter. Pilate wrote this, St. Vincent Pilate wrote this to, to someone else and and really was encouraging them. I, you wonder what this yeah. person may have been like. <laughs> what were I don't they know. complaining about yeah. in that letter that he was responding to? Po- possibly, yes. Yeah. You know, stop, stop going on and on here. This is this is how you're called to be. And he had a tendency to do that. He was a, a very much a, a spiritual director. And and this is the advice of a of a spiritual father saying, look, he, here's how you're going to draw other people to Christ. This is this just that example alone will help people understand that real happiness, true happiness can only come through life in Christ and everything else. We go, it go, really goes without saying, but that, that is what he's saying. Everything else is going to fall short. And, you know, he could have had that. He came from a merchant family. He came, you know, he could have had a very nice life, mm-hmm. St. Vincent, and chose not to. Oh. And what do people seek? And in this season, it you know, of Advent, and as we go into the Christmas season, it's important for us, particularly as we're about to celebrate Gaudete, Rejoice Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to stop and say, well, what, what kind of joy in Christ am I radiating to other people? Yeah. How would you encourage us to pray? I think in terms of prayer, it, it's, a, it's a matter of looking at what are the things that are weighing me down? What are the things that are... Our, our car that I'm holding on to that that are are going against joy am I angry with someone am I upset about something am I worried am I weighed down am I really trusting in the Lord and then to ask the Lord and and to ask the intercession of the Blessed Mother to to move that away to take that so so that and to fill us with the joy that really only comes from Christ. Amen. We've been talking to Father Frank Donio. And Father, if listeners want to check out the Advent resources you have available to them, where do they find them? Just go to catholicapostolatecenter.org. And you can find that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Donio, thank you. Thank you and God bless. You too, Father. Thank you very much.
All right. It is 32 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. Israel has apparently started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the Gaza Strip being used by Hamas. That, according to U.S. officials, briefed on the operation, although Israel has refused to comment. Israeli forces say Hamas used the tunnels to move around the battlefield and to store rockets and ammunition. Massive pumps were put together in recent weeks while Israel apparently weighed its options. The plan is controversial among some family members of Israeli hostages still being held by Hamas. They fear their loved ones might be in the tunnels and could be killed by the flooding. Pope Francis, during his general audience today, said he continues to follow the conflict in the Holy Land and urged both sides to resume negotiations. He asked that all hostages be released and called on everyone to make an urgent commitment to get humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza. The United Nations General Assembly, meanwhile, is demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. Brian Shook reports. On Tuesday, the General Assembly got a two-thirds majority and passed the resolution demanding a ceasefire. Two amendments to the ceasefire proposed by the U.S. and Austria both failed. The U.S. says it supports a pause in fighting, but not a ceasefire that would allow Hamas to plan another attack. I'm Brian Shook. Harvard's governing board has voted to, cl- to keep Claudine Gay as the school's president. She has faced calls for resignation and firing after her appearance before a congressional committee to discuss anti-Semitism on campus. She and other Ivy League school leaders face criticism for their answers to questions about whether calls for the genocide of Jews would violate school rules. In a message to the Harvard community, the board said their deliberations affirmed their confidence that Claudine Gay is the right leader. Elizabeth McGill resigned as the president of the University of Pennsylvania over the weekend after she also faced backlash. Bishops around the world have received information explaining the next stages of the Synod on Synodality from Vatican Radio. Lisa Zingarini reports. After the closing of the first part of the Synod in October, churches are now called to promote further consultation and to prepare contributions for the second and final session in October 2024. To this end, bishops across the world have just received a document with instructions from the Secretariat of the Synod. The synodal process will continue along some lines of work, keeping in mind Pope Francis' remarks that the synod is about synodality and not about this or that theme. Regarding the specific themes that have emerged so far, the text explains that some will need to be considered with the Vatican dicasteries. These matters include, for example, the updating of the codes of canon law and the deepening of theological and pastoral research on women's admission to the diaconate. A report on the progress of this work will be presented to the Assembly in October 2024. Discussions will revolve around the central question of how to be a synodal church in mission with the aim to identify the paths to follow to enhance the unique contribution of each baptized person and of each church to the mission of proclaiming the gospel to today's world. 
The key word in this will be that of co-responsibility. This guiding question will be addressed on two levels, local and central. With this in mind, the document invites each church to carry out a further consultation, also involving theologians, canonists and local academic institutions. The summaries of the contributions will serve as a basis for the Instrumentum Laboris, the working document of the 2024 Synod. I am Lisa Zingarini. And Hamilton County Commissioners are expected to vote tomorrow on a plan to help cover the cost of improvements at Paycor Stadium. Commissioners are expected to approve a $39 million expenditure that will help cover the costs of new club seat installations, a modification of the plaza at Elm Street and Freedom Way, and the replacement of concession equipment. Those improvements are expected to be completed before the start of the next football season. Wonderful. Good. Yeah. You know, I I think Paycor Stadium is a bit behind Great American Ballpark. I think Great American Ballpark is uh, state-of-the-art as they come. So, I, you know... I love GDP. Yeah, when you're when you're in there, your eyes are drawn. It feels like a, a mini Disney World. I don't know that I've Maybe ever I'm overselling been it. to a football game. That's that's okay. Paycor. They're doing better. Certainly not since it's been named Paycor. Yeah, it, it, it. You know. Have I been to Paul Brown Stadium? And of course, football. You know, I went to Paul Brown when Billy Graham came to Cincinnati. Okay, like years and years and years ago. Gotcha. I think that might be the only time that I've ever been in that mm. stadium. Now I know, I, I know, going to a football game is a lot different than a baseball game. You know, baseball you can kind of wander about mm-hmm. throughout the game and and uh, and such. And football, you want to be at your seat at all times and mm-hmm. and, and stuff. So, but. Uh, you know, Indianapolis, they got a they got a real nice stadium. Oh, yeah. You know, in Dallas forward to uh, the University of Congress so, there. I think yeah. I might get to broadcast from the press booth. Ooh. Wouldn't that be cool? That's really cool. I might. I don't know yet. I shouldn't speak. You're a celebrity, Anna Mitchell. You, well, I'm sure you can toss your weight around EWTN sure. is yeah. a major sponsor of the event. So That's I'm hoping pretty... to, you know, ride in on their coattails. For sure. You're a celebrity to me, at least. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. Well, 8.38 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. How about this? Bearcats won last night in college hoops. 85-53 over the Bryant Bulldogs. Bearcats now have a, a big matchup Saturday against the Dayton Flyers. 7-1 and one, or 8-1 Bearcats against the 7-2 and two Flyers. That game will be uh, Saturday here in Cincinnati. Elsewhere, Xavier will be in action Saturday against Winthrop. Yes, Winthrop. How about this? Uh, Bengals are set to uh, take on the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings making a change at quarterback. Minnesota head coach Kevin O'Connell has uh, named Nick Mullins the team starter for uh, Saturday. Mullins will become the fourth different starter for the team since Kirk Cousins suffered a season-ending injury back in week eight. That's a brief look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Bill Levitt here, and my advice for static-free winter listening is get the Sacred Heart Radio app by going to sacredheartradio.com and using the QR code. Then you'll hear us on your phone from anywhere and car radio through Bluetooth. If you listen to the radio while driving and 740 has too much interference, try 910 a.m. at home. 
ask your smart speaker to play Sacred Heart Radio or visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Listen Live to enjoy Sacred Heart Radio static-free. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. If you would like to write to Sacred Heart Radio, our address is Sacred Heart Radio, 100 East 8th Street, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45202. Our phone number is 513-731-7740. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, and he is a licensed counselor with decades of experience in the classroom and in private practice. Uh, so we're always glad to tap into his expertise. Kevin, good morning. Hey, glad to be with you too, Matt. Thanks. So the Holy Father's prayer intention for the month of December involves people with disabilities. I wonder if you could fill us in on that and talk a little bit about how you have come to uh, understand this issue better in your decades of pastoral counseling. Yeah, thanks, Matt. So so the Holy Father's got a nice way to put this is uh, we pray that people living with disabilities will be the center of attention in our society and that our parishes will have inclusive programs and value the participation of people who have disabilities. <clears throat> so I want to hit uh, three things here. First, the person that has the, a disability a condition. Secondly, the caregivers, and then bring in our faith perspective. So we all know uh, someone, uh, and some people don't use, like to use that word uh, disability, but some kind of impairment. Uh, we're talking about the physical side of this, but there's some psychological dimensions. So the, the Census Bureau says that at their latest count, about 42 and a half million Americans have some kind of disability. And I was really struck by this, that even at middle age, uh, about 15% of people have some activity, have trouble with activities of daily living, uh, moving, taking care of themselves. So and I'm doing a little bit of math out. in my yeah. head. I mean, mm -hmm. we're talking about I mean, if we got, I haven't seen the last numbers on how many people live in the United States, but that is a yeah. serious percentage of us. That's correct. And, uh, you know, and it's something we all probably have to look forward to in some way. None of us wants to think about that. Uh, but, you know, some of the the disabling conditions, um, I've got somebody in my family who was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's. About 90,000 people are diagnosed with that new diagnosis every year. About 6 million people have Alzheimer's. Half a million have multiple sclerosis, and then we're talking about you know dementia and other cancer and other kinds of things that really uh, cause a lot of impairment for people. So, so some of the emotional part of that, Matt, you know, I, I can't talk so much on the medical side, but you know, people can lose their physical and also their cognitive abilities, uh, which is really a, a huge loss. We've talked about grief, but. When I can't do what I what I used to do, and maybe I've been a very independent person, I had a, a very, my very best friend was lost his sight when he was 25, and he was a very good athlete and was very independent. And he 
tell us me about how he had to come to that crossroads where he had other people he knew who were in the same condition losing their eyesight because of sickle cell anemia. And he saw some people just give up and they didn't necessarily die from the disease itself. They died from uh, despair, really, yeah. and a, a death of despair. Kevin, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot, actually very recently about suicide numbers and what causes suicidal mm-hmm. ideation and how that all works out. Mm-hmm. And, and the CDC coming up with numbers about how many more people, I mean, we're hitting record numbers here, and you wonder mm-hmm. how many of those are connected with someone being so frustrated that they're just not useful, quote-unquote, as the world sees it. Yeah, just losing our whole identity. And, and depression and anxiety and anger are, are huge components. And you mentioned something there, Matt, that the person with a dis- disabling condition could have that risk of suicide, but also the caretakers, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, one issue that comes up is uh, some we think of dis- disability or these conditions as some, when somebody's older, maybe when I'm 70 or 80. But, you know, there are people who get diagnosed with a lifelong chronic condition that's not uh, fixable when they're in their 40s, you know, their 30s or 40s, uh, MS, uh, again, the Parkinson's. And so that's a whole different thing where it changes, you know, they're married, they have kids. And so there's that impact on the intimacy in the marriage and loss of uh, like self-esteem and feeling like I got to do, I got to cope with this for the next 30 or 40 years. Uh, so that's another one. And, and sometimes those people who are 40 don't really fit in with a support group of people who are all uh, senior citizens, right? So they don't yeah. feel that identity. I, and I was going to ask you about how this how this can work too, because I know you work a lot with first responders and have worked a mm-hmm. lot with first responders, and that is a very high risk environment. And there are a lot mm-hmm. of people who go in healthy, gung ho, robust, and then something happens. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. either an accident or they go into a uh, you know a collapsing house or something happens, mm-hmm. right? And this. Mm-hmm. Formerly extremely healthy, you know, person who was in the military or the police force or the fire department mm-hmm. is now having to deal with physical limitations, and that's part of this too, right? Yeah, that's correct, and it could be just the wear and tear of the job, or some kind of accident, or actual a violent episode, fire. Uh, so, so that's really true, and I think most of those people are gung ho, and they're very used to being the problem solver and the one that helps everyone else. So that's a switch in our emotional life, and then for caregivers. I have a social worker friend who works at a nursing home doing intake, and she said, I can always tell when a a couple pulls up, a new patient is being admitted, I can tell right away who's the patient and who's the caregiver, because the caregiver looks a lot worse. Yeah, you've mentioned that before, and I've noticed it ever since. Yeah. Yeah, and and so, you know, the the idea that uh, I think for a lot of caregivers that I have to do this all by myself I can't rely on help. I don't want to take a break. I don't want to get respite care. I don't want to complain. Uh, maybe that's more that's true of men and women, maybe a little bit more of men. But the other one is uh, feeling very resentful that maybe other people in the family don't help out. So there's one person, frequently the, the female who's stuck taking care of mom or uh, another relative that's disabled and just that resentment. So that's another issue. And then ties into faith, Matt, that all of this, makes us that that old theodicy question that you guys talk about with your theologians a lot is why does God allow these bad things to happen? Like I've I've led a good life. Why am I being punished like this, losing my sight, losing my ability to walk, uh, you know, all those kinds of things and, and just having a bleak future. And so we have to find, I think where faith helps us is to find some perseverance. So one of the gospel readings we read this week is from Matthew is, 
everybody brought him their uh their lame and their blind and their deaf and he cured them all right so we have to come to the lord and and to realize that we borrow each other's courage and uh, sometimes we can just sit with someone in the garden of gethsemane i think that's a great image for a caretaker or just for ourselves we have somebody sit with us and we borrow each other's courage uh, and that's a way to you know bring all this to the lord well, there are a lot of ways people can look at the scriptures and take away various things, but there's one thing that nobody can deny in the scriptures, and that is that Jesus found people with disabilities. He sought them out, mm -hmm. right? Correct. They had a special place in his yep. heart and in his ministry. <laughs> Kevin Prendergast, yep. thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Matt. Take care. All right. Thank you both. Ken Craycraft joins us next. It's 12 till. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second. But call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE, 844-55-BIBLE. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Made, a clean you can trust. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft is back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. He writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday visitor, among other publications. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Annie. Good to be with you again. It is good to have you. And we are going to be talking about Mary's Magnificat as the perfect Advent prayer, a great topic for a Marian feast day. I think just on the historical level, if you will, uh, this is a perfect Advent prayer. Can you talk about the context in which we get this prayer from Our Lady? Yes, it's the context is is just absolutely wonderful. Uh, Mary, uh, newly pregnant, uh, having been announced by uh, the angel Gabriel that she would bear the Lord, uh, travels to visit her cousin St. Elizabeth, uh, who uh, uh, is unexpectedly pregnant because she's so old, pregnant, just of course. When, when Mary greets Elizabeth, St. John hears Mary's voice and leaps in his mother's womb. That's the, the famous passage. We often, many Catholics are aware of that passage, but we don't connect it with what happens next because there are two prayers that happen next, which be, have become a staple in Catholic uh, spiritual life and prayer life. Uh, Elizabeth uh, uh, adds her own contribution to li the liturgical tradition by saying, most blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Yeah. You know, just as an aside, I just love it when uh, 
when when Protestants complain about the Hail Mary prayer uh, being <laughs> because, not I guess biblical. They don't like, <laughs> yeah, I guess they don't like praying. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. They don't like praying scripture. And then she says, blessed are you who believe what the Lord has spoken to you. And this elicits Mary's very famous response, the wonderful prayer Magnificat. It, it begins, Magnificat anime, anima mea dominum which means my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And while in English, the first two words are my soul, in Latin, the first word is magnificat. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that's the way we, uh, we translate it. And she goes on to say, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowly servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And then she, of course, she goes on with the song. So that's the historical context of Mary greeting Elizabeth. And here we have together in the same room, uh, formulating prayers that would become part of the liturgical and prayer tradition of the Christian church, St. John the Baptist, the forerunner, and Jesus, the Savior. Incredible that they greet each other as unborn children in the womb it's just an amazing story it's wonderful isn't it's it it's just yeah. i mean all around i mean there are so many things that that you can glean from from such an encounter between our lady and elizabeth and jesus and john the baptist you know you write in yeah. in the piece uh for our sunday visitor that uh the magnificat could be considered sort of a primer for the Catholic social teaching on on solidarity. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is, is that, you know, in, in some sense, we see it immediately in that uh, Jesus has become a human being in Mary's womb, mm. which affirms God's affirmation of solidarity with humankind. So I like to talk about solidarity when I teach it as having a, a twofold meaning. The solidarity that we have with one another as human beings, but also God's solidarity with mankind in the person of Jesus Christ. God becoming man is the essence of solidarity. And so God comes becomes man with us. And, and therefore, we have what's what one of the four pillars of Catholic social doctrine of the doctrine of solidarity. So because here at the commencement of, of the Virgin's mysterious generation of our Lord, and she proclaims not only that our Lord is with her, but that our Lord has come to be an exemplar of humility and selfless service to one another. So she humbly submits to our Lord's uh, or to our Lord's request of her. She could have said no. And by submitting, her Lord comes our Lord comes to her as a sign of solidarity and as a sign of coming down to the lowly. And 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 that's the way she puts it. You know, the, he has come to his lowly handmaid. So so right here in the immediacy of the prayer, uh, Mary says essentially that the last has been made first mm -hmm. and the last will be lifted up. And and considering all of these things, you know, the Magnificent is, is a wonderful Advent prayer. You know, another detail about it too, Annie, is you think about what the uh, season of Advent is for us Catholics, it is it is we are we who have celebrated the coming of the lord await the second coming of the lord in the magnificat mary who is celebrating the coming of her, her lord our lord to her womb awaits the delivery of uh, our lord the birth of our lord so there's a parallel there as well we have christ and we wait for christ she has christ and she waits for christ yeah i mean this this last line of the magnificat he has come to the help of his servant israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy the promise he made to our fathers to abraham and his children 
forever. Yes. This is some forever. I mean, this is something that we today can hold on to. This is something that our children and their children and however many generations are to come as the Lord tarries, so to speak, we can we can hold on to that promise of mercy. And remember, remember that promise of mercy that God made to Isaiah is that his descendants would be as many as the uh, of the sand of the sea and mm. as the stars of the heavens. Yeah. So, um, and, and that's exactly what Christ comes to do. He comes to gather all people to Himself through the promise He made to Isaiah. And and we could see some of the Isaiah parallels and some of the parallels in Genesis. For example, the the um, the, the song of Hannah is not dissimilar to the Magnificat, and that's another uh, way that we see scripture. the Old Testament. <laughs> Absolutely, she yeah. did, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Magnificat also um, also echoes the prophecy of Isaiah. Uh, we're all familiar at Advent and Christmas time with uh, Handel's Messiah, which, we get, which begins with uh, the words from Isaiah, comfort ye my people. Yeah. And it goes on to say that Israel, uh, God has helped Israel, his servant, remembering his mercy and has lifted and, and therefore has lifted up the lowly. Isaiah says that like a shepherd, God feeds his flock. In his arms, he gathers the lambs, carrying them in his bosom, leading the ewes with care. Uh, this prophecy is fulfilled in, Mac- in Mary's voice in the, in the Magnificat when she talks about the Lord uh, coming to fill the hungry with good things. We're out of time, but thank you so much, Ken Craycraft. That'll do it for this edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Prophetic book. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. All deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. OnAMissionToLove.com. That's OnAMissionToLove.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing. Ken Herbert Plumbing, a drain cleaning specialist, uses color drain cameras to help find and fix drainage issues. Ken Herbert Plumbing, for residential and commercial plumbing repair. 513-383-2974. The Comboni Missionaries present the 76th Annual Nativity Experience, a family favorite for generations. The birth of Christ is retold in an incredible room-sized animated diorama of the Holy Land. Admission is free. Donations to food banks accepted. The Nativity Experience at the Comboni Mission Center in Anderson. Open 6 to 8 p.m. daily, December 15th through 30th. Close Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. More information at ComboniMissionaries.org slash nativity. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at JohnKennedyInsurance.com. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. 
This is Father John Paul Walker, pastor of St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get